Great to be here with you on this Monday. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop, glad you are with us. So much, so much to get to here on the show. Tommy Bowden going to join us, former Clemson head coach. Uh, we'll talk college football playoffs with him. Brooks Austin of Dogs Daily on SIs. He joins us each Monday. We'll talk with him on the show as, uh, obviously, Georgia did not win the SEC championship uh, game. And they move. <laughs> And they move on to the college football playoffs, which we knew that was going to happen uh, regardless. So uh, he will join us coming up here in about 30 minutes. And also Arthur Lynch, former Georgia Bulldog tight end, will join us coming up in the final hour. We'll get to your phone calls as well. 912-342-7184. 912-342-7184. You can join us here on the show. Share your thoughts on the SEC championship game. and uh, Or send us a... A message on Facebook, Twitter, or YouTube as we are streaming live there as well. We'll be happy to share your thoughts here on the show. Just leave us a Facebook, Twitter message, YouTube, and we'll talk about it on the show. But Ben, championship weekend has come and gone. Uh, we'll start off early. Oklahoma State and Baylor. A lot of folks said, hey, Oklahoma State wins. Do they have a better resume than Cincinnati? But they come up literally uh, six inches short of winning the Big 12 championship, and right off the bat you're saying, oh, well, there's one domino to fall. Then you get to the SEC championship game, and a lot of folks looking at that game thinking, oh, I mean, you heard a lot of talk of college game today. Hey, it's Georgia's time. They're going to get over the hump. They're going to climb the mountain. They're going to. They're playing so well, Alabama's been kind of shaky. 41-24 to 24 later, Alabama's the SEC champs and the number one seed in the college football playoffs. Wow. I mean, that first one, Kevin, though, I mean, when you go back to Baylor and Oklahoma State, the, the, the running back panicked. Like, the thing about football is, look, he just he, try, he just tried to outrun you to the goal line. Listen, run at him, give a little stiff arm, give you like a give yourself like a, you know, a little bit more time to try to get in. But that you talk about down to the wire because Oklahoma State give a lot of credit. They battled back in that game. Baylor was having their way all game. Oklahoma battled back. Oklahoma State. We talk about the SEC championship game. Now, going into that game, I was like, look, if Alabama can find a way to, to, to have sustained drives, get come away with points, and neutralize that pass rush, they got a shot. Because I kept saying this all year about Georgia secondary. I did not know if Georgia secondary was good, bad, great, middle of the road. But we kept asking, uh, Kevin, when was Bryce Young going to have his Heisman moment? He had a bunch of them on Saturday from uh, getting outside the rush, uh, that big uh, that big scramble on third down to then get that fumble. Uh, you know, when the ball came out, obviously what he, you know, Set a record. Set. I mean, this this was the thirtieth. I think the thirtieth uh, SEC championship game. He set. The, he broke the record for most. Uh, I think passing yards or most yards from scrimmage or something like that in the game. But I don't think it was Georgia underwhelming as much as people because people kept looking at. We kept saying this. It's still Alabama, right? They almost lost to LSU. That's called winning. They almost lost to Auburn. That's called winning. They lost by three points to Texas A&M. That's the only game they've lost in two years. But Kevin. Alabama put it all on display. Now, you, I mean, our hearts and prayers, you know, goes out to John Mitchell, who I think uh, tore his ACL in the game. But Alabama's defense, I mean, they played better in the second half. You go back to two years ago when uh, when uh, Stetson Bennett went to Tuscaloosa, he had a really, really good first half. Came out of the second half through two interceptions. You look at this game, he had a good first half. Came out in the second half through two interceptions, which I think if I go back to the tape, I think he could have threw four, four, maybe five. But I'm not here to talk about uh, the fact that Alabama is Alabama. And I, and the thing about it is they saved their best performances, Kevin, for the SEC championship game. I mean, going back to when they, you know, they played, you know, they played against, uh, you know, this Georgia team, you know, two years, you know, two years ago. 
uh, with uh, Auburn being in the middle. And I just think that sometimes we get so caught up in what has happened. I go, look, you do enough to win your division, win your conference, I mean, to try to, to, try to go to the conference championship game. The consolation prize is Alabama. And uh, Will Anderson, who was the best defender in the game, probably didn't have his best showing. But that Georgia defense, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to blame it on fatigue more than anything else because, Kevin, 7-on-7 seven seven is when the pass rush can't get there and Bryce Young was just sitting back there waiting on guys to get open. And dare I say he had an incredible night. Kirby Smart, I mean, he was very, very humble in defeat. I mean, he was saying that, look, man, he said if you, if you give Bryce Young time, he's going to pick you apart, which is what – he did. He, he definitely sealed uh, the Heisman on Saturday night. But uh, this Alabama team has proven one thing. They are still the team to beat. They are still very, very dangerous. And dare I say, Cincinnati, congratulations on making it to the show. Your consolation prize. You get to see what it's like to play them boys from Tuscaloosa. No, oh, certainly. And again, Michigan just absolutely obliterates Iowa in the Big Ten. Uh, Pitt and Wake Forest was back and forth. I think they scored almost 40 points in the first quarter. I think they had 42 points in the first quarter. Pitt ends up winning. Uh, the football game, Kenny Pickett had an unbelievable moment with a with a fake slide. Ends up going for a uh, for a touchdown, and you had some great quarterback play uh, going on there. But we know, as you said, I've been the playoffs are set: Alabama versus Cincinnati, Georgia versus Michigan. And I know I've heard you already heard this. Oh well, Alabama's going to obliterate Cincinnati. I can't believe that. Look, BJ has said on the show. You're not supposed to dictate matchups, which we know happens because there was no way George and Ben were going to rematch in the first round of the playoffs. They weren't going to do it. But either Cincinnati has earned their right to be there or they haven't. A lot of people said, I included, all of a sudden the show said, look, they deserve the right to be there if they run the table and they'll have the resume uh, to do it. Didn't, Didn't think they would get there. And, hey, I think if Oklahoma State had won, it might have been into question as to whether or not uh, they, they get in there. So they're in there, and people say, oh, like, great Cincinnati. Now you're going to get blasted by, by 30 by Bama. Well, what just happened in the SEC championship game? If, if Alabama was playing Baylor in the first round, would anybody be saying, oh, man, this could be a three-point ball game? No, you'd be saying Alabama's going to – I don't think it matters necessarily who Alabama played in the first round, unless maybe it was an Ohio State who got back in there. I think most people will be looking at it saying, look, Alabama is getting better. They just played a tremendous football game, and now you're going to go into the playoffs where Nick Saban's going to have a month, essentially, or three weeks, to get ready to play somebody. They're going to put together a heck of a ball game. So I don't think you can look at it and say, man, if Cincinnati loses and loses big, that just shows they shouldn't have been there. Nope, nope. They earned their way to get there. And tell me who you would put in there that earned their way in there that would do better than what Cincinnati potentially does. Uh, Because, again, Ohio State's out. Lost too much. Oklahoma State, out. Lost too much. You're talking Notre Dame. I mean, do you think if Alabama and Notre Dame lined up right now, Alabama wouldn't be a 10-point favorite? Of course they would. So I, I, I think that's one of those things where don't put all the stock into, well, Cincinnati's going to lose potentially big, so they shouldn't have been there. I just I, I don't buy that. I, I do think Alabama's going to win uh, big, but I don't think that invalidates Cincinnati in the fact that they earned the, the spot. I, I don't either. I don't either. I think too often at times uh... – you know, Kevin, we get caught up in, you know, uh, who the team is and not look at what they've done. Cincinnati did the opposite of what UCF did. UCF, they peaked too early. UCF went undefeated, beat Auburn, and then came back next year undefeated and lost to LSU. Cincinnati, 
right? They lost to Georgia last year, and then they peaked this year. They got they got a late round. They got a they got a potential first round draft pick in Desmond Ritter. They got two bookend corners. They got a team that and they added Notre Dame to their resume. What hurt Notre Dame the most is the team in front of them beat them. So that that that's what that's what's gonna. There's no way you could have justified putting Notre Dame over Cincinnati when they when Cincinnati played Notre Dame at Notre Dame and beat them. But I will say this: This is why we play the game. We nobody thought that Cincinnati would make it a game last year with Georgia, and I don't want to hear this. Who Georgia didn't have planned? Georgia Georgia was scratching and clawing for every ounce, and they won by a field goal. Won by a field goal. I think when you even even the second matchup, people talking about Georgia's going to annihilate Michigan. I'm gonna tell you guys something again. You got to look at the stakes. This ain't a regular season game to where you got another game behind it. This is for everything. The one thing Michigan can do, they can, they can get after the passer. Michigan might have the number one pick in the nation. I mean, number one pick in the draft at, the, at defensive end. So I just think that Harbaugh finally got over Kevin. It's something I would about say you want to talk about Creston Hill. Absolutely. I mean, they haven't been in the playoffs uh, at all and finally got I, over Oklahoma State. So. I go back to 2019. Ohio State, excuse me. 2019 LSU. What did the 2019 LSU team do? They finally beat Alabama. What hadn't happened in a long time, LSU had beaten Alabama, right? That They lost by three. I mean, they won by three that year against who? Auburn, who had what? Bo Nix, who was a true freshman that year at quarterback. So all I'm saying is keep looking past. We, we The SEC, I get it. I get it. The SEC got some of the biggest brands, best teams, best coaches. I get it. But don't think they cannot be beat. This same Georgia team, people said Georgia should have got Cincinnati. I'm telling you right now, Georgia didn't want Cincinnati. They want to say, listen, I want to deal, I want to go ahead and deal with these Michigan boys. But Michigan finally exercised a lot of demons when you talk about Ohio State. That has been, Kevin, that just we just call it a game. It hasn't been a game for a long time. Jawan Howard was there, Desmond Howard was there, uh, you know, Charles Wilson was there, uh, Brian Greaser was there, Brian Greaser, everybody who went to Michigan was there to celebrate when Harbaugh got out of the hump. So don't don't look past any team that's in this that's not in the SEC cuz I'm telling you Kevin, I mean it's probably not gonna happen. But if Michigan beats Georgia and freaking Cincinnati find a way to scratch a claw and beat Alabama, it was a Cincinnati Michigan national championship. It's not. I'm not. I'm not saying it's gonna be that. So calm down. But Kevin, I agree with you. Show some respect for the teams that made it here, and the most dangerous team in it might be Cincinnati because they still starting to scratch and claw for respect, like they didn't earn it. Yeah, and again, n- nothing to lose. Uh, Alabama's again gonna have to play a great game, but I think you look at a focus. Not that Nick Saban hasn't been focused, but he has a, an ability to really. And uh, he said in the post game, "Hey, appreciate that rat poison. It was yummy this week." Uh, you know, so it's like. <laughs> You know, I think he has a, a way to focus his team. And there are certain guys, uh, Ben, we talk about in, in coaching. If you give them time and they just have to play one one team and it's it's all or nothing and you give him time, I mean, how many coaches would you take other than Nick Saban? Hey, in, I'm going to give you – In I'm college? Gonna, yeah, I'm going to give you three weeks with his program to to get the job done against an opponent. I, I think it's Nick Saban. I, I would say the same. I mean, you look at – at college basketball, give Mike Krzyzewski two weeks to play a top-five team in college basketball. You don't think he's going to have a great chance of beating you? I think he does. So, I, again, I give Nick Saban a lot of credit because outside of Bama fans didn't hear a lot of, we're going to pick Bama. I, I think on this on – this, uh, oh, I think of this week, we all took Georgia into points. Uh, I think in the SEC championship game, we laid some points. So, uh, not a lot of people thought Alabama was going to win, ironically uh, – Going doing the whole thing. Hey, never pick against Bama until mm-hmm. proven otherwise. A lot of people this week all said, "Man, Georgia's just playing too good." 
and Nick Saban got it together and got the job done. Got a quick comment, uh, Ben, from uh, Adam Fisher there on Facebook. As a UGA fan, I'm glad Bama got Cincy in the first round. They are extra hyped to make the playoff and will be a hard out. No doubt. I, I think that's what, what, what Ben was saying. Like, th- don't just discount the, hey, yeah. no, they understand – what it took for them to get there because don't don't think that they're not going in week to week go fellas we got to win because if we lose one heck if we win one and it don't look right we might not get in so uh don't think that uh uh what luke fickle knows guys like he's telling his team guys don't play alabama scared don't go in here thinking oh they're better than us no they're there to prove a point and uh it may be a hard point to prove <laughs> but yeah. the, nevertheless, they're going to get their uh, get their opportunity uh, to go out there and, uh, and and get it done again. There was a time when people said, "Oh, Boise State has no chance," and they bumped off Oklahoma. I mean, no, no, I mean, no, no. that same Boise State team that played Georgia ended then Georgia Dome first game of the year when the, right. Georgia had on those uh you know uh, those uh Power Ranger looking uniforms. Haven't seen those helmets or uniforms since. And Kellen Moore. Who Kellen Moore, that quarterback, where is he now? He would be the offensive coordinator for the Dallas Cowboys. So, people, <laughs> I'm just saying, Kevin, the most dangerous teams is – listen, who has the most fun at the party? The people who got in their last. Who, who, what's the best kind of food? Free food. All I'm <laughs> telling people is this Cincinnati team has run the gauntlet and they've already played one of the teams in the, in the, you know, in the final four, that being Georgia, which came down to the wire – Watch out for them Bearcats, man. They got a point to prove. Yeah, we got more to come here. We'll chat with Tommy Bowden on this Monday. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop, glad you are with us. And we are joined by the former uh, Clemson uh, head football coach, Tommy Bowden, who joins us here on 3 Now. Coach, welcome. How are you? Uh, good afternoon. Doing good. a little cloudy down here in the Panhandle, Florida, but it's 75, so that's not too bad. Yeah, yeah there's worse places to, to be for sure. But uh, <laughs> we get ready for, uh, for the postseason in college football. Obviously, the playoffs – uh, Alabama versus Cincinnati, Georgia versus Michigan. Uh, obviously, it seemed to have worked out. Everybody had, you know, three, four weeks of hand-wringing, and it, it seemed to have worked itself out. It really did. And, you know, that's been the case just about every year that they've had this selection committee. I've been very impressed with who they've picked. I think they hit it right again. I think they have about every year. Coach, what does a team like Cincinnati get in do for, you know, teams like Cincinnati? You understand that UCF had a resume real similar to Cincinnati a couple of years ago, but what does a team like Cincinnati do for the rest of college football? Well, it gives them hope. But but I will say this about Cincinnati. Uh, I think the only reason they got in because of what they did last year and the year before, if they were a one-year flash in the pan, I don't believe they would have gotten in. I think think the committee – took uh, uh, their, their work over the last couple of years and said, okay, this is a solid program. But it gives programs like Cincinnati and the group of five that don't have the resources, don't have the name, don't have the marketing skills, uh, hope that they can get in. But, but I do think you have to have a, year, a couple of good years of resume. Yeah, and, and, and Coach, I, I agree with that sentiment, but uh, aren't we as the, the college football playoff uh, folks, aren't they supposed to evaluate not on what happened last year, but – happened this year, and uh, is that maybe a, a minor flaw in the system there? Uh, you're supposed to, but again, uh, I'm not sure if you went all solely off this year. Now, I don't have the statistics in front of me. You might, but if you look at overall strength of schedule, I'm not sure that Cincinnati would be in based solely off this year. Now, they might have been, but I do think they take uh, uh, last year and the year before in the back of their mind. I don't think it's a big piece of the puzzle, but I do think it's in the back of their mind. But uh, 
uh, I'm glad Cincinnati's in because I think it, they are deserving this year. And, Coach, uh, who, who's a more dangerous team? Obviously, you know about Alabama. You know about Georgia. But who's a more dangerous team, Cincinnati, because of the road it took to get them to get here, or a Michigan team that finally got over the hump beating Ohio State and, uh, you know, Coach Harbaugh finally getting that Big Ten championship? No, I really think Michigan is because of their, their overall strength and talent. They've got a defensive end. They think that Mike could be the number one player picked in the draft, but he's a difference maker. No, but they have another guy on the other end that's a difference maker. Then they have an offensive line that's going to be able to handle, I won't say handle, but be able to hold their own versus Georgia's front. So I think Michigan is the best chance uh, to come out of the, of the four teams as the national championship other than, than Alabama. But I like their chances because I think they've just got a little more size, strength, and depth than what a team like Cincinnati does. Tommy Bowden joining us here on 3 Night. You talk about Georgia versus Michigan, and seems like a tale, uh, Coach, of two teams trying to scale the mountain. Uh, Michigan took, what, close to a decade or more to finally beat Ohio State and put themselves in this position. Georgia, uh, a lot of talk going into the SEC championship game. This is the year you bumped down Nick Saban and, and, and finally crest the mountain. They didn't do it. May get another shot. It seems like kind of two stories that are awfully similar to one another in Georgia and Michigan trying to get to that next level. Yeah, I think one of the things you have to look for here is the mentality, make the makeup mentally of the team. For example, I bet you Michigan, every player, every member of that staff, their number one goal was not the national championship, but was to beat Ohio State. So they, to me, they've reached their pinnacle. Is that they want to win the national championship now? Yes. Georgia, on the other hand, their goal was to win the national championship. So their goal is still out there. In the back of my mind, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking Michigan, they've already reached the top of the mountain for them, which is beating Ohio State. So I, I, I think Georgia, I, I like Georgia's mental frame of mind right now better than Michigan. And, Coach, switching gears a little bit, I mean, your former team, Clemson, obviously, uh, you know, it's, it's been reported that uh, Coach Venable is going to be the, the next head coach at Oklahoma. And, uh, you know, offensive coordinator, has been reported that Tony Elliott uh, has ties to Duke or Virginia. Talk about, you know, the year Clemson had or, you know, uh, that, that obviously didn't uh, meet expectation. And they're going to look up next year in 2022 and they're going to have a total different staff, maybe definitely at the offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator positions. I think the number one thing as a coach, the most important criteria is, is, is recruit. And number two, I think it's your staff. And he's already lost Venables. I saw his press conference. So he's been hired at Oklahoma. Tony Elliott is a, is a prime contender at Duke and Virginia. Those would be two critical losses. There is another Brent Venables out there somewhere. And at $2.3 million, you can bring him in. But I don't think there's going to be a Brent Venables that has his established resume. Brent, Brent Venables had a resume at Oklahoma before Dabo hired him. So it's very, very critical hire. If you remember, he fired Billy Napier after one year. Billy Napier's a pretty good coach. But he replaced him with Chad Morris, who brought in an offense that led him to a national championship. So critical decision for Dabo Sweeney. He's made decisions like this, but it's important that he replace at least Venables, maybe Tony Elliott. Hey, Coach, if you're a fan of a team in the ACC, if a team loses both their coordinators, do you feel like, hey, maybe it opens things up a little bit in the league? <laughs> well, you know, people are closing the gap, but Clemson is still the best team, and they're also the, 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 the most talented. There's still a gap between whoever number two is. Like Pitt, for example, it's probably, probably Pitt. But uh, if he replaces those two guys, I, I think Clemson will immediately be back up top. Important hires, but uh, they've still got great players, and they've got the main guy back, which is Dabo Sweeney. 
And, Coach, while we have you, speaking of coaching hires and just craziness going on right now with these different different coaches, different places, talk talk a little bit about what happened in Miami. You know they got Coach Cristobal. He, he agreed to terms, but Manny Diaz was out there recruiting, you know, while Cristobal was trying to make up his mind. I'm very disappointed in how they handle that situation. You know, uh, everybody wants to be – I know Mario Cristobal wanted to be able to tell his team face-to-face that was important to me when I left Tulane. I wanted to tell my players face-to-face before Clemson announced it, and I was able to do that. But, again, uh, what uh, Manny Diaz, how, how they handle him professionally, you know, uh, fans are short for fanatic, but fan, fans didn't make that decision. That was made by the president, the board of trustees, and whoever, you know, the, the more academia than, uh, than, than fans. So uh, really disappointed how they did it. But as you can tell by the last hires, Money, money talks. Yeah, in a big, in a big, big way. Coach Tommy Bowden, our guest here on Three Now. Coach, really appreciate the time. Thanks so much. Hey, y'all have a good day. Thank you. We'll do. Tommy Bowden, always a pleasure talking with him and talking college football uh, as the playoffs are right around the corner. New Year's Eve is when we get those two semifinal games. We'll come back. Brooks Austin, Dogs Daily on SI will join us. We'll break down all that didn't happen in the SEC championship game. But as Tommy Bowden said, Georgia still has. Plenty of life. They're in the playoffs. Still can play for a national championship. That's out in front of them. Brooks Austin will join us next here on 3 and Out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Out here on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network, Kevin, BJ, and Ben. BJ's not here. I don't know why I said that, uh, but uh, we'll uh, hopefully have BJ back later in the week. I was distracted by the fact our next guest is joining us from the Brooks Austin Bar and Grill. Brooks Austin, uh, Dogs Daily at SI. Man, that, that's a sweet little setup you got there, uh, my guy. It's like the little neon sign in the back, and uh, yeah. we're ready to go. It's happy hour there at uh, the Brooks Austin pad. Yeah, it's actually just my garage, so it's not that fancy. <laughs> well, well, Brooks, obviously SEC. Not a joke. Ch- yeah, yeah. <laughs> obviously, SEC championship game for Georgia fans did not go as uh, expected. Well, obviously, can get into quarterback play, defense. What was the kind of the more egregious thing that stood out as to why Georgia looked like they hadn't looked for uh, for twelve weeks? Yeah, so I, I think you've had stretches at times this year where your defense didn't look historic. I think you've had stretches of time this year where your offense has gone rather stagnant. Well, they happen to match up a stretch of run in in terms of play and performance where both of them quite possibly looked the worst they had all year. I mean, right after it was Jamison Williams, third and two, 67-yard touchdown pass. From that moment on, I think there was 17 minutes of game time where Georgia went three and out, and Alabama scored three consecutive times on three consecutive possessions. You can't do that. You, you cannot do that against good football teams and expect to win. I don't care how good you've been all year. When, when, when their defense finally, finally was giving up points, their offense went stagnant until right before the, set, or the end of the first half when Ladd McConkey scored on a 33-yard touchdown run. And even that they didn't do correctly. They scored way too quickly and gave Bryce Young the football back right? and allowed him to double up right there before the half. I thought that was a major, major swing right there before the half as well. As soon as you get momentum, you hand it, turn around right and hand it back to Alabama and Bryce Young with two minutes and ten seconds left to drive the length of the field on you in a college football game where the ball stops every first down. There was no doubt in my mind he was scoring right there before the half. Brooks, talk about <clears throat> talk about the fact that when you think about this Alabama offense, the one thing they did, they tried to keep Jordan Davis on the field. He Jordan Davis is about as impactful as a player is going to be, but running the ball on first and second down, that's still a lot of weight 
push it up against another human being, then going the third down with the passing game. Talk about being able to not let a great playmaker who fatigued. I mean, let's face it, it, it caught up to him a little bit. Yeah. They kind of used that against Jordan Davis a little bit on Saturday. Well, that and, and too, Ben, I think more importantly, philosophically, it didn't make much sense to have Jordan Davis on the field anyways. They're, if they're going to throw the ball 50 times a game, or 50 times today, and that's what they're going to do. They're going to be dropping back. Well, we need to put pressure on the quarterback and quickly, and as great as Jordan Davis is, as long as he's going to play on Sundays, he's not going to make hundreds of million dollars in the NFL for his ability to rush the pass. That's not what he's going to do. He's going to make money in the NFL off of his ability to control the line of scrimmage in the run game, and I think they ran it, what, 19, 20, 23 times on Saturday? I mean, they didn't run it a ton. That's why he wasn't on the field a bunch. And even when they were running the ball, Ben, they were running the ball in obvious situations. I thought a lot of the time on first and second down, Bama was ready to throw the football. They were they were throwing the football on first down and, and utilizing the fact that Jordan Davis was on the field. If he's on the field, I'm not going to run at him. I'm going to throw away from him. It made sense. It was a great game plan. They, they basically neutralized him from the start. Offensively, uh, Stetson Bennett had some good moments, had some not so good moments. Uh, obviously, and then you know you read the, the the messages. Georgia fans are obviously saying, "Well, JT Bennett, J, I mean JT Daniels, standing over there." They made reference to it on the television broadcast. He's standing there, didn't go in. I know Kirby said, "I'm standing by my guy." I mean, what's the dilemma on the offensive side heading into the playoffs? Because we talked about it, Brooks. You're going to have what three weeks off until the bowl game or until the playoff game. If JT Daniels starts, it's going to be, what, a, a month and a half since he played a meaningful snap against a competition that was close? Yeah, it's going to be basically – I mean, he hadn't started since Vanderbilt, which was in, I think, what, early October. So it's been, it's been a long, long time since JT Daniels has been out there and, and, and getting after it. But I think more importantly, the thing to me is that – and I'm going to talk a lot about this on my show tonight, and I'll tease it a little bit here – Alabama has a 14-game, you know, sample size. 11 college football playoff uh, appearances and three SEC title games over the last seven years of college football. In all 14 of those games, their opponent has had to throw the ball more than 30 times. Georgia went through a regular season this year where they had this offensive game plan that our quarterback, and we can win by 30 with our quarterback only throwing the ball 20 times. Well, guess what? When you play Alabama in December, when you play Alabama in January – History says they're not going to allow you to have that type of football game. So when Stetson Bennett had to throw the ball 48 times Saturday, yeah, he turned it over a couple of times, and your offense went stagnant in the red zone several times because you couldn't run the ball. And now you were in a position where you were having to score in bunches and score quickly and actually have an explosive offense that, guess what, you never asked or demanded upon yourself for 12 weeks of the regular season up until that point. So the one moment you did have to score in bunches and have to score quickly and throw the ball down the field, you couldn't. Because you hadn't been doing it. You can't do something you hadn't been trying to do for a whole entire season. It's it's impossible. You know about Bowers. You know the type of player he is and the type of player he's been for this offense. You, I mean, I think the George Pick is coming in and him having a big catch on the sideline and McConkley. Those are three guys that mm-hmm. that's that's really all the production you had. When you look at George's receiving core, who is that guy that can separate, you know, for a guy like Stetson Bennett? Because let's face it, you tell me going up against the Alabama defense, you're gonna give me a freshman, uh, you're gonna give me a freshman tight end, uh, a guy that a guy that was a walk on two years prior, uh, McConkley, and a guy who hasn't played all year. That's gonna be my offense, and you still stay in the game. I give Stetson Bennett all the credit in the world because let's face it, you know, just like I know uh, Brooks, that's a lot to ask on a guy when you got guys around him that's supposed to be protecting him. I mean, that that's fair, Ben, but I mean, we've watched. The, the last handful of national title winners, right, with really, really special quarterback play. 
um, they weren't always throwing to wide open guys. Offensive coordinators weren't always winning, right? A lot of that was Bryce Young on Saturday making elite tight window throws. Those guys weren't running wide open for four quarters. That was the quarterback beating you. They, they have been beaten by great quarterback play the last two times they've gotten in the SEC championship game, and it almost looked daggum near identical. Joe Burrow and Bryce Young sliced them up in almost identical fashions, extending plays with, le- with their legs, stepping up in the pocket, driving the ball downfield, hitting tight window throws to elite targets. I mean, that that's what the recipe has been for success in college football. If the last, what, five years? This isn't something we're waking up new to. I mean, this, this has been here. This has been here and, and been the recipe for success. Meanwhile, Georgia walked, again, walked through a 12-game slate, which they knew they were going to handle outside of Clemson, walked through a 12-game slate, averaging throwing the ball 24 times a game, knowing good and daggum well that they were going to have to throw it at least 30-plus times to beat Alabama. That's what history says. And it didn't happen because you hadn't done it. Brooks Austin, Dogs Daily and SI joining us here on three and out. So Brooks obviously now have three weeks to get ready for Michigan. Where's yeah. the where's kind of the mental state of this team? I know Kirby has said, hey, pressure's a privilege. All that. I mean, it's 12 and 0. You haven't really been tested by pretty much yeah. anybody you've played. Now you, you you were there and hey, we're gonna crest the mountain. It's our time. And you didn't do it. Where's kind of the, the mental state of the program? You know, when you are winning at a success rate like they were and, and you're on, you know, cloud nine or whatever, it's kind of hard to, to come in every single day and get coached hard, right? I mean, they're still 19, 20-year-old kids, and they read their social media feed that's been telling them they're the greatest thing ever. And then they get humbled pretty bad by, by Alabama. So I do believe Kirby Smart when he says his players are sponges around the building right now. That's true. They're going to have some time off uh, this week to both physically and mentally recoup, and then they'll come back Saturday and they'll get back after it. Um, and start preparing for a Michigan football team. By the way, guys, that I, I think there's two ways to beat Georgia. Make them one-dimensional and make them try to throw the football right now. But the other way to beat them is turn this sucker into a rock fight like Clemson did. If you can make this a 10-3, 10-6 football game, then you got a chance to beat them as well. And by God, Michigan can do that. They run the football really, really well, and guess what they do? They get after the quarterback and control the line of scrimmage on the defensive side of the football as well. So if you look up in the third quarter of this Orange Bowl, and it's 10-7, to seven. don't be shocked because this team will and can force Georgia into a rock fight. Brooks, that was a George Pickett sign. I was, I was happy to see mm-hmm. him back out there. And obviously they, they told JT, look, only throw it to him. If it's one-on-one, he went up and made a yeah. 50-50 catch. As Kevin mentioned, three weeks off, you ain't got but maybe one, maybe two you know, games left in this season. Do they let George, do they turn him loose I don't, in, this, in, this play, in this playoff game? Ben, ben, I don't think that's their decision. I don't like I, I know it's 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 uh Fugazi and frowned upon to talk about management and and people's others decisions outside of the football player in and of himself. And this is still collegiate sports and this isn't professional. Uh, yeah, whatever. He's got million dollars decisions lying on his knee right now. And uh, there's a lot of people that go into that decision making process that aren't wearing a power G logo on their left side of their chest, if you know what I mean. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, uh, Brooks, before we let you go, just your initial thoughts on, you kind of mentioned a little bit with the rock fight, but your initial thoughts on Michigan, because it seems like the national conversation is get ready for Georgia Bama part two, and we haven't played the other two games yet. Yeah, I wouldn't go as far as to say that. Again, I, I think you're, you're looking at a Michigan football team that is not only going to show up and be prepared. There's a lot of NFL guys and a lot of NFL minds on that coaching staff. Um, but you also got a fan base that's been starving for this in Michigan. Like, Georgia fans are starving. 
Michigan Wolverine fans haven't had national level success since what, 2004, 2005. So you're going to have a fan base that shows up ready to rock um, and a football team that's going to be well prepared and, and ready to go too. And like I said, man, they've got an offense and defensive line that looks like an SEC football team. They do. They got two first round draft picks playing defensive end. These are not, uh, this is not some Big Ten team coming down here that don't know how to play football. This, this is a really, really good Michigan team that beat up and banged on an Ohio State team that schematically and, and roster-wise looks a whole lot like these SEC teams we're talking about in terms of talent level. Brooks Austin, Dogs Daily on SI, our guest here on 3 and Out. Brooks, appreciate the time as always. Thanks much. Yeah, man, we'll see you. Appreciate it. Brooks Austin joining us here on 3 and Out. And uh, then we'll talk more about that, obviously, uh, coming up a little bit later in the show. But obviously, it's, it's Georgia and Michigan. And it seems like the early talking points – nationally are we're waiting on georgia bama part two michigan pretty good team uh how do you kind of see that matchup three weeks out michigan gonna have to <clears throat> they gotta have to force force georgia to play ugly michigan cannot deal with an up and a back and forth game they cannot deal with if, if georgia can find a way to throw the football consistently on first and second down or maybe on third down they got a chance to you know to, to blow this michigan team out but like brooks said if this is the one thing that Big Ten football is, it is slow, it is ugly. They want to run the football. That, 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 it's that old school football. But I will say this. The one thing Michigan have, they got offensive linemen that's built for this type of defensive line. I don't know about these linebackers because I don't know if nobody can stop Georgia linebackers, but they got some meaty guys. Them cornbread fed dudes up there in Michigan, <laughs> they, go to, they go to Michigan to play football. So the Jordan Davis is of the world. They're going to be looking forward to going up against him. But if Georgia can make Michigan – like, you know, play a game they're not used to playing that up and down, you know, out playing on the outside, they got a chance to make it a game. But if they want to try to go, you know, man-on-man football, that's what Michigan do all game. And like you said, Kevin, if you could beat Ohio State, you could beat anybody. And they finally got over the hump. We'll see what happens. It's going to be a better game than people give credit for. Yeah, we got three weeks to uh, to talk about that one. Bowl season starts a week from Friday, so a lot of folks getting ready for that uh, postseason football right around the corner. We've got so much to get to here on 3 and Out. Take three around the corner. Arthur Lynch will join us, former Georgia tight end, in the final hours. 3 and Out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to be back here with you on 3 and Out on this Monday. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop, glad you are with us. We'll take three right around the corner. We'll look at the SEC championship game and how does Georgia bounce back from that. Also, just coaching changes galore around college football. Speaking of that, uh, Ben, some hires made uh, this weekend. Again, congratulations to our uh, our guy, Sean Quinn, uh, officially hired by Virginia Tech uh, there over the weekend. So the Hokies making that uh, official, that uh, Sean Quinn going to be there in Blacksburg. And a couple of uh, offensive coordinator hires here in this state. Georgia Southern has hired Brian Ellis as their offensive coordinator. Benny came from Western Kentucky. I believe they were in the top 10 of, uh, of total offense this year in college football. Georgia Tech hired Chip Long as the offensive coordinator. He comes from Tulane. Tulane did not have a great uh, year record-wise, 2-10. and 10, uh, But uh, offense, their offense was uh, a little better than Georgia Tech's, and he has a larger resume of time at, uh, at Notre Dame. I think they had one of the top uh, 10 or 15 offenses in the country when he was at Notre Dame. So a couple of key offensive coordinator hires there at Georgia Southern and Georgia Tech here the last day or two. I mean, I, th- I think I think the question has been answered, Kevin, when you talk about what Georgia Southern is going to go to. I mean, when you think about Brian Ellis is coming in because they finna air it out. I don't know if it's going to be the air raid, but they're going to definitely air it out because I think it makes recruiting a lot easier when you're recruit. The best way to recruit is to all be recruiting the same type of athlete in the conference, not trying to recruit a certain type of athlete when you're trying to run a total different type of offense. You talk about Georgia Tech, you know, going out there and getting Chip Long. 
I mean, at the end of the day, you know, uh, Kevin, you want to be able to have a guy that's going to come in and be more balanced. I mean, Jameer Gibbs has obviously moved on to greener passes, but you don't want to let those type of players come, you know, you know, uh, leave, you know, elite programs like, you know, like Georgia Tech. And obviously, I mean, you when you you think about Sean Quinn. I mean, couldn't happen to a better dude. I mean, four years at uh, at Savannah State, never ever, never ever complained, never ever said anything bad, you know, uh, about the university. Did it the right way, and once again, great man but still got it done on the field. It's not like they did not win. They won yeah. on the field so much so they made sure when it came time to vote those teams in, teams didn't want nothing to do with them boys from Savannah. But shout out uh, to Sean Quinn and obviously Georgia Southern going to the air raid and a big-time uh, offensive uh, office coordinator hire for them Georgia Tech boys. Uh, certainly, and you, you want to talk about how is Georgia Southern's offense going to change, uh, Ben, you might ask. If you're an Eagles fan, I will give all the credit to, uh, to Christian Gokel here uh, for looking this thing up. Georgia Southern's career – Receptions leader is Raja Andrews. Had 120 reception, 127 receptions in his career at Georgia Southern. That's the most they've ever had at Georgia Southern. Uh, Monty Sharp had 1,854 receiving yards in a career. That is the career pass catching record at Georgia Southern. So you have the 127 career receptions, 1,854 yards. Those are career highs for what anybody has ever done at Georgia Southern this year. At Western Kentucky, the leader this year in receptions had 137 receptions and 1,718 <laughs> yards. That would, in one year, yes. put him first and second all-time Georgia Southern based off one year's production. So you think they're going to throw it around? Oh, they're going to throw the ball around and put the ball in the hands of their playmakers. Hey, at the end of the day, Kevin, I mean, I'm not saying – look, we – I had to get used to I had to get used to a different offense at Georgia Tech when it was so successful for them all those years. Got to get used to a different uh, offense in uh, in Statesboro and Kevin. It's only going to make the game better. I mean, people be saying, "Oh man, it's not going to work." Give it time because athletes aren't built to just run a certain type of offense. Everybody's going to the spread, so they're going. And I think that's going to make Georgia Tech even. I mean, Georgia Southern even more dangerous. New coach, new offense, new era. Jared Binko, man, me and Kevin still coming to the crib to chase out. You know what I'm saying? You on the grill, always oh, yeah. showing off on the grill. We're going to take you up on that. I saw Jared Binko was uh, doing uh, beef jerky or something on the on the grill. Jared Binko, I was like, listen, it better be good, great. Kevin. Because he, he doesn't – listen, it ain't Lincoln – listen, Lincoln Riley – listen, to the Lincoln Riley right. fans, please don't let him go out there cooking nothing <laughs> when he out there in uh, – in uh, USC, but no, no. I, I, no when you're I, making jerky, it is supposed to be dehydrated. <laughs> yes, Unfortunately, it is. Uh, Lincoln Riley was making brisket, and it, had, <laughs> and it was also dehydrated. Everything isn't meant to send out on social media because what? Because your wife telling you, "Oh, that look good." Uh, no, that's called that's called. You know, listen, we shouldn't patronize each other. And brisket should look like brisket. It shows hell. It should taste yeah. like it. I don't want to taste none of uh, Lincoln Riley's brisket because I don't know what that, what that was, Kevin. Yeah, my my standard take. And I've done some food eating competitions, uh, not food eating, but uh, judging, food mm-hmm. judging uh, competitions. You see people uh, taking photos of their food all the time on you know Instagram and Facebook and all that. And I, my, my standard go-to take is no matter what this tastes like, somebody out there thinks this is the best stuff they've ever had. <laughs> I'm just saying. It is true. I'm just saying, like, I made my grandmama's chili recipe. Yikes! Exactly. Somebody out there thinks it tastes good. So. And, 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 and listen, and, and, and your grandma ought to be ashamed because I guarantee you, when grandma made it, <laughs> yeah. it ain't taste like that. But I mean, I will say this, Kevin: as we get as we get older, we, we yeah. get very, very complicated. We get very, very like set on our ways, and we think our stuff is the best stuff. No. The best stuff is from blind taste testers, not people who share your last name or your bloodline who, you know, want to want, want you to invite them back to the Christmas dinner the, the next year to the barbecue. Lincoln Riley, the fact that you make as much money as you make, that's a shame yeah. that you put that out there like yeah. that. Lincoln Riley, you can eat. Just stay away from the 
Just stay away from the grill. Kevin goes to the barbecue and who comes out from behind the grill? Lincoln Riley. All I'm just saying. I'm not hungry. I'm just saying, if I'm at a, a cooking competition and Lincoln Riley's on my left and Jared Binko's on my right, what's up, Jared? We're going <laughs> to hang out over here. I'm just saying. Jerry, he knows how to get it done. We'll come back. We'll take three right around the corner. Uh, we'll look at the SEC championship game and more. A lot of coaching changes, a lot of people in the transfer portal. What does it all mean? We'll get to that next. Three and out, Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you back here. Hour number two, three and out. He is Ben Troop. I am Kevin Thomas. Glad to have you along here on this Monday. We'll recap the SEC championship game. We'll get to your phone calls, 912-342-7184, 912-342-7184. Or you can leave us a comment on our Facebook, Twitter, uh, Twitter at Pigskin Radio or YouTube page. We're streaming live uh, as well on ESPNCoastal.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and uh, YouTube as well as the, uh, the radio network. Good to have you along here in hour number two. Let's take three here on three and out. All right, Ben, we talked a little bit about it with uh, Brooks Austin, but take one. How would you handle the Georgia quarterback situation heading into the college football playoffs? I'm, I'm going to keep it simple. Who got me here? See, I think too often at times, Kevin, we look at, you know, we compare things to Alabama. Well, I mean, you know, uh, Nick Saban, he benched uh, Jalen Hurts for two or two was a better throw of the football than Jalen. Jalen was kind of gun shy. He wasn't playing well. Now, it's easy to look at the end result of what happened against Alabama say Stetson Ben is not the guy. Where would this Georgia team be, not just in 2021, but in 2020 without Stetson? I mean, who was, who was, who was, uh, who was manning the ship when uh, JT Daniels was hurt? And, Kevin, something, something I talked to BJ about over the weekend. Outside of Mississippi State, what game did J- JT Daniels play to make you go, oh, my God. Like, he, that his, now, his debut against Mississippi State, oh, here it comes. And then he kind of like, you know, Kind of like, you know, cooled off a little bit. So, for me, if you do go to JT Daniels, Kevin, it will only make – because it will only make it look like you're trying to save face to try to win the game. But if JT Daniels ain't better than Stetson Bennett right now, he's not going to get better than him in three weeks. It's just not going to happen. So, I can understand, Kevin, if they do do it. But for me, listen, I want – if you're going to win with Jordan Davis and Nicobe Dean and – and, you know, and Bowers and those guys, when was Stetson Bennett, man? I told you all the time, overthinking losing more football games than game plans ever will. Well, well and Ben, I think we, we mentioned this right around the time of the Florida game. If you were going to go back to JT Daniels, there was a time to do that. And you still had time to get him game reps. As we talked with Brooks Austin, he last started against Vanderbilt, which was early October. And, again, that is an SEC game, but it's Vanderbilt. And Vanderbilt didn't win a game in the league. So, when he has played, it's been in the backup role. Uh, he came in, obviously, against Georgia Tech, who was inept. Uh, he came in against Charleston Southern, who was uh, FCS school. That's, you know, that's not getting you ready to take on Michigan or, uh, or, or an Alabama again. And so, you look at it and say, all right, my options are Stetson Bennett, who played inconsistent. Or I can go with JT Daniels, who, on a pure talent standpoint, may be better. Also hasn't played really in two months against a team that mattered or even in a situation that mattered. And what was JT Daniels kind of 2020 narrative been? One really good game, one kind of game you go, eh. One good game, one kind of game you go, mm-hmm. I mean, he was okay. I, mean, I don't you know, want to hear about so a flash. Like, so, 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 I, so I think you, you look at it and say, if you're Kirby Smart, it's who gives me the best chance to win. And I just knowing football coaches have been – you know football coaches way more intimately than I do, having been on the team. But knowing football coaches as I do, 
I don't think many guys are going to look at the program and say, in the biggest, now the biggest game of the year, Yeah, I'm going to put a guy out there who hasn't started in half a season, not played a game-on-the-line snap maybe all season. I, I guess you could say the same for Stetson the way they made it. But, but anyway, you haven't played a really meaningful snap in a couple of months. And I'm going to put him out there cold in the first round of playoff against a Michigan team that's looking to eat. You might be asking for a similar result uh, from your quarterback. Uh, if you, so I think Kirby's in a tight spot. I think you start with, with Stetson Bennett. And if it's me, I start with Stetson Bennett and say, look, Stetson, it's winter go home time, baby. It's like we need you to play peak game. And if you don't, well, we're going to put JT in there. I know people say, well, why wouldn't you do that in the championship game? Uh, you know, there may have been a reason he didn't that, uh, that we're not privy to, but I would I would certainly go in with that strategy and say, look, it's winter, go home, Stetson. If, if you we, we, we can't get off to a rough start, if we get behind, like you were against Alabama, but if you get behind and you turn the ball over, can't have that. We're going to have to go with somebody else. I, to me, that's how I would play it. I would stick with Stetson mm-hmm. and say, listen, this is this is different. This isn't week 12 against Georgia Tech. This isn't even the SEC championship game. This is the college football playoffs. And the margin for error to win one of these things is very slim. And I, I believe that's how I would handle it. Yeah, no, I would just be honest. I mean, I, no. It's like, I mean, and again, I don't think that's disrespectful. How do we treat baseball pitchers in, in Major League Baseball playoffs? Hey, you've been my ace all year, but this is game six. Oh, yeah. You give up a couple of hits, a couple of runs, you're out. We're going to bring no, somebody no, else to no, 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 no. The three, the three words in sports that will always reign supreme, make them understand. And and and, and, and you don't, and, and nobody outside of their room is, is what you said, Kevin. It's like this. Look, man, they're, they're, they're going to hit you with it. You a teammate, right? You a, you a, you a team player, right? So you're going to do what's best for the team. That's, that's the thing, though. If it were the other way around, though, Kevin, if JT got you here, there would be no problem. Because let's, let's, this always goes back to, when Stetson was instituted as being the starter, right, it's, man, he's not that big. Well, he ain't never been big. Man, he's not that tall. He ain't never been that tall. But go back to Georgia high school football record. He lit it up. Go back to the fact that he grew up wanting to be a Georgia Bulldog. So let me get this straight. Genetics is what's holding him back? Come on, man. And think about some of the plays that Stetson Bennett made with his feet to – uh. You know, I mean, to extend plays on set, JT Danson wasn't going to be doing that. So, Kevin, I will say this. Because of the situation, Kirby Smart about to make the biggest coaching decision of his life. And I'm sure. not talking about going for it on fourth and one. I'm talking about do you – because this is the thing. How bad does Stetson have to play for you to pull him? That's that's the thing. Because at least with international championship, Jalen wasn't doing anything. And Nick Saban is Nick Saban for a reason. Everybody would have – if he lost to Georgia, would it be because he pulled his starter? But what happens if he wins? So we'll see what happens. But I, I, I think, I think that's gonna be that's gonna be the talking point, Kevin. Which is, which has really been the talking point all year with Stetson and JT. All right, moving along. Take two in the wacky world of college football, where literally any and everything has happened is deemed acceptable. Was Manny Diaz done wrong by Miami? Yes and no. Yes, because Kevin, we live in an age now to where I mean, the Twitter sphere. I mean, it was it was it was going it was going crazy, talking about what was going on with Miami. Nothing is a secret anymore. So the fact that, that this goes back to the this goes back to the Brian Kelly at LSU and uh, Lincoln Riley at USC. You didn't hear anything about it, and that is unheard of. Yes, it is messed up because Manny Diaz is out there recruiting 
for Miami. Why? Because he was a he was the head coach. Guess who else was out there recruiting? His staff was out there recruiting. Why? Because they're employed. Yet Mario Cristobal was being they was negotiating with him. Now the reason why the reason why I say yes is messed up because they they was out there negotiating with the man while they while they currently had a coach. No, because of this reason. Kevin, something you brought up. Remember Temple and Manny Diaz? Me either. Manny Diaz was supposed to be the head coach of Temple. Did a press conference, picked up his jacket, left the Temple jacket, picked up his coat, and got back on the plane. He flew in on Temple's private plane and flew back out on Miami's. So, no, because, Kevin, the people that run college football are the people you never see. Presidents, chancellors, board of directors, board of trustees, boosters. Everybody was making big splashes, right? Florida, LSU, USC. Hey, man. Notre Dame. We want to get one of those. And what what is the easy thing to do? You know, you would think you would think Coach Frost in Nebraska would have people staying away from former players trying to come back and resurrect the team. No, let's get Mario Cristobal. He was a good player when he was here. Oh, okay. And he also got the hell beat out of him by the Utah. Twice. I mean, twice in the same <laughs> season. So I would say, Kevin, no, because Kevin, you know, just like I know. Listen, um, capitalism people is big time in college football. And if you got the money to get them, Go out there and get him. Crystal ball can't turn down. Let's see. Eugene, Miami. Uh, that's not a hard choice. People vacation in one spot, and they go to the Nike Corporation in the other spot. Get out of here. Yes. They, so, no, Kevin, they didn't do him wrong because if you can you, if you if can use Miami to be a stepping stone with Temple thought you was going to be that coach, don't feel bad when you out there recruiting <laughs> recruit for Miami and breaking news. Mario yeah. Crystal ball. What does he say when you're in the home recruit for Miami and Mario Crystal ball just became to do? He say, uh, good luck in the fall. Yeah. Jesus. I, I, again, I, I think it's bad form on Miami. Do I feel bad for Manny Diaz? No, because that's the nature of the coaching business. And again, as you said, he was the Temple coach, been, I believe, for like three days. Yes. He was the Temple coach for three days and turned around and left and took the Miami job. So I will say bad form on Miami where you are actively negotiating to hire another coach and haven't had the decency to fire the one that's already there. And the way it kind of played out then, to make it even worse, was Miami's waiting to see if Cristobal says yes. <laughs> if he doesn't, then Manny the, Diaz the, the, is the, our the, guy. The, the, so the, new, like, the new age, the new, the new age. I mean, what, what does Manny Diaz say to, 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 to his wife? We're going to be in Miami, right? I mean, it just depends on how Mario feels. Yeah. Who's Mario? Yeah. Oh, he's out there, he's out there I, in Oregon right now. I, I just think that's bad folks. That how is. do you go back and say, hey, we're negotiating with Mario Cristobal? Oh, no. If I'm he, Crystal- said, he said no. Hey, man, he's never been happier to oh, see no, you, baby. Oh, no. If I'm Mario Cristobal, when, 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 he, when he goes and just be subpar in Miami, he should already know. Do I, am I still the coach? Did your key work this morning? My key <laughs> did work, but I don't know if they're going to have me back. But you know, like I know, I know Kevin, since, uh, since Miami has been in the ACC, they've been to one ACC championship game. One. Yep. Come on, man. It's going to, They're not going to get back to what they used to be. Should have been to two, but self-imposed sanctions on themselves one <laughs> yes. year and they didn't get to go. So there is that. Moving along, take three. What team, Ben, out of the playoffs would have the best chance to win if we had an expanded playoff? You had a lot of talk about whether it be an eight or a 12, and people say, man, we barely got four this year. Mm-hmm. What team that's not in the playoffs would have the best chance to win if we did have, like, say, a 12-team format? Wow. I'm going to give you two teams. I'm going to give you two. One is Ohio State. They got a high-powered offense, and you look at and you look at, and you look at the season they had. I know they lost big time to Michigan, 
And, uh, you know, they just had, you know, and obviously lost to Oregon, uh, you know, uh, during the regular season. So they, Michigan finally got over the hump. But I still think dy- three dynamic receivers, a dynamic quarterback is C.J. Stroud, Chris Olave and those guys, uh, they, they would have a chance to go out there and really get it done. Another team, I'm sorry, Ole Miss. Let me tell y'all something. Ole Miss had to run through the gauntlet of the SEC West, right? They they got they got certain things you need. They got a big-time quarterback check. They got an offense that can put up points. And as long as they can score points, they find a way to be in it. I think, I think Ole Miss would have had an outside shot, Kevin, because – the one, they wouldn't have had to play in the SEC championship game. So that's one less game they had to worry about, and they still got in, right? And then, I mean, whenever you can compete with Alabama, you ain't going to always beat them. But if I can stay on the same field with Alabama for four quarters, I can stay on the field with anybody. So give me Ole Miss one. I mean, give me Ohio State one, maybe an Ole Miss two. Yeah, and, and Ole Miss, I think, was, what, eight? So they would have been in even if we had a yeah. team eight-team uh, playoff four. I, I, that's a good one. I did not think about that because I'm sitting there thinking, you know, would an Oklahoma State or would, how would a Baylor do? Maybe Oklahoma. Uh, there. But, the, you're, yeah. but you're right. The best option is is Ohio State because they were a really good team who happened to have two very just tough losses uh, on their schedule. Uh, and they would be one that if they got that reprieve and got back in, I think they that would be a team I think nobody would want to play. I really do. I think people say, you want to play Alabama? I really don't want to play Ohio State. Might rather play Alabama. Yeah, yeah, and than, the, the, than Ohio yeah, State. Yeah, that, that moniker, if we want Alabama, who, who's listen, listen. Let me let me tell y'all something. And and I gotta say this too, because I, if 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 we're going back and forth on uh, social media, no one was talking about Georgia the team losing, right? We're talking about the fan base. Like we need to keep things in perspective. Georgia is one of the best teams out there. So when Georgia loses and other fan base get to talk to trash, that is fans talking to fans. You're not talking to Kirby. And I'm talking to Jordan Davis. And I'm talking to Cesar Bennett. So if you can dish it in Georgia, y'all know y'all been dishing it hard in 2021. <laughs> Kevin, you know just like I know. There are two things you want in this life when you're a college football fan. One, to see your team lose. And two, and it might be one, to see your rival lose. Good. I mean, I'm sorry, to see your team win and to see your rival lose. So I understand that. When we talk about rivals, we're talking about more of the fan base because – no place has a new fan base to get to dwell more than on the Twitter sphere. And my God help me, I might have more Georgia people follow me than Florida people, so I'm going to have to get them followers up. But I just, <laughs> want to clear, I, just, I just want to clear that up. I am not talking trash to any – I am not talking trash to any collegiate athlete, male or female, because I know how hard it is. But, it's for, but I'm a fan now, and I can talk that big stuff. So come at me. And, yes, Florida did lose to Georgia. And – I'm gonna talk trash because it's Georgia. Not that I, not that I, not that I lose or have lost any respect for Georgia. Man, they one of the best teams out there getting it done. Cause, because Kevin, if Georgia would have won, it would have been just Kevin and Cam on three and out today. Probably would have been. <laughs> no, would just man, I would have still obviously. But shout out to them Georgia Bulldogs, yeah. man, Kevin. You know, you know they find a way to get it done. We got more to come here. It's three now. That's take three. We do it every day at this time. We'll come back. We'll look back at the SEC championship game. What did we learn? in that SEC championship game that plays forward into the college football. Welcome back. It's three and out here on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Kevin and Ben here with you on this Monday. Arthur Lynch, former Georgia Bulldog tight end, will join us coming up at the top of the final hour. So looking forward to that. 912-342-7184. We can take your phone calls here on 3 and Out. Let's go to the phones. Let's go to uh, William. William, welcome to 3 and Out. How are you? I'm doing great. You guys sound like you're having a pretty good day. Hey, we always have fun here on the show. Yeah, I can tell. Um, I just have a, an observation about the game Saturday sure. evening. It's uh, Stetson's numbers, and 
maybe he didn't have a stellar performance, but they weren't all that bad. But it seems like we're overlooking the fact that that bonded Georgia defense got had. Yeah. I, 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 I think that that was actually – I appreciate the phone call, William. I think that was the uh, first thing I was uh, actually going to ask Ben about right here. I was like, did we see the Georgia defense exposed in that SEC championship game? And I think uh, maybe a little bit. I, we were kind of talking about before uh, the show, you look at who, who kind of Georgia has played. Clemson was a tough team at the beginning of the year. Outside of that, did they play a really dynamic offense that had – the, the offensive line that could go with the skill players that they could play. I think Georgia's best win uh, that they've had to date would be uh, Kentucky. Kentucky finished nine and three. I did a little quick check on Kentucky. I don't think Kentucky in their nine wins had a win over anybody better than six and six. So they kind of feasted on some uh, some weaker opponents there as well. And Kentucky and, and everybody's game plan uh, for the most part against Georgia has been, oh my God, they're going to blow us out forty eight to nothing. We're going to run the ball and hope they can keep the score close. And so I don't think we've ever – we haven't seen a team that had the ability to do it with the quarterback to do it, to throw on that Georgia uh, defense and protect long enough that Alabama had, and they were able to do it on Saturday. Yeah, Kevin, yeah I mean, it was kind of surprising that uh, Georgia couldn't get in there with, uh, with the way Auburn was just eating him up. Uh, of course, you know, rivalry days are always different, but um, – I, I was a little – I just felt like they didn't They didn't bring the A game. Yeah. Again, it's uh, it's something that I think they're going to have to uh, to figure out uh, as they head forward to the championship. Appreciate the phone call, William. Thanks so much. And, Ben, to that end, talk about that Georgia defense. Because, again, that was going to be my first question to you here was, did they get exposed or was it just a good offense, had a good day against them? I mean, I, again, because they had given up nothing all year long and gave up more offense uh, for Bryce Young passing than we'd seen ever in the history of the SEC championship game. Now, that being said, the passing record has been broken three years in a row, so that's just what it is. But nevertheless, the the all-time defense, who was going to be, in terms of points allowed, yardage, one of the best we'd seen of the last two, three decades, gave up more passing yards Mm -hmm. than anybody's ever allowed in the SEC championship game. I would say, yes, they did get exposed. And, uh, it was a case of a, uh, a great offense. I think, Kevin, too often the times we – the one thing we didn't do as much as we've done over the years is, is really play a close, take a close look uh, at Alabama because of what Georgia was doing. And let, let, me, when I, let me say this again. What Georgia's defense was doing. Georgia's defense is still one of the greatest ever. They didn't give, over, they didn't give up over 90 points all season. So we're going into this game, I, you know, get my best B.J. Bennett uh, impression. You know that a market correction was coming. And the one thing we kept saying, Kevin, was if the defense doesn't have an A game, can the offense help out the defense? And the answer is no. Because what happens is if I've played all if – if, if I'm on a dominant baseball team, then you can't hit off my pitcher. And just say I play center field. Man, all this dude is – listen, either he throws strikeouts, either he strikes you out, or he's hitting guys hitting grounders. All of a sudden, I'm out there, boom. It's not that I was out of position. I'm not used to it. I'm not used to guys even hitting flyouts on this guy. What happens is if you are in that Georgia offense, your confidence came because of Jordan Davis and N'Kobe Dean and those guys. They don't give up. N'Kobe Dean is a Buckers Award winner. Like, they don't even – I don't even know if this is something new. I thought you used to have to go to the College Football Awards. Don't bump that. He is the winner. Like, they announced it after the game. But what happens is, Kevin, fatigue. 
the blitz not getting there. You know, uh, and, and Roman Harper, uh, you know, former Alabama, you know, Crimson Tide, and now on the SC Network, played a, a lot of years uh, with the Saints and the Colts. He's on SC Network. He said that there really isn't anything dynamic about Georgia's defensive line and their blitzing. It's just the fact that, you know, they're forcing quarterbacks to get off their spot quicker because they're, they're forcing him to have happy feet. He said, you know what happened Saturday? The blitz didn't get there. And that is what happens. When people go, hey, man, give me an elite quarterback, some elite receivers, and time, what happens? I will set the record for most passing yards in the SEC championship game. I will have my Heisman Trophy moment in the first, second, third quarter, pick a quarter. And he had it. And, Kevin, you just exposed the fact that Dan Lanning in that defense is incredible. But when they can't do what they do, because the one thing that got exposed was the secondary. See, I didn't know how good the secondary was because they're not throwing the ball on the games is over. I mean, you don't know how good a secondary is when the game is already 35-0 to and obviously got to throw the ball to try to make the game look interesting. But, yes, Kevin, what got exposed was Jordan Davis is a run stopper, not a pass rusher. N'Kobe Dean is a run stopper. He's not, he's not, he's not a pass-covering linebacker. And what happened was they kept their core, they kept their, their, their uh, base 11 on the field. And, and, and Bryce Young said, look, man, Y'all think that we scared of y'all? We respect y'all. But what is it about Georgia that scares Alabama? They beat them, they beat them handily. They beat them, coming, they beat them switching quarterbacks. They beat them switching quarterbacks in the national. Matter of fact, they beat them switching quarterbacks in the national championship to then go back to the original quarterback in the NC championship game the next year. So they've seen it all and done it all. But, yes, Kevin, at, Georgia got exposed from being on the field too much, not being able to win on those uh, pass. Because the thing about Georgia is great as our defense, they don't got a lot of sacks. People think they, I think they're leading the sacks like five and a half sacks, right? So, and I think Adam Anderson, who's no longer with the team, I think he's tied for first on the team with five and a half sacks. So, I think what happens is, Kevin, when that defense is on, it's on. But when, when you got a bunch of guys in red and black being stood up by those guys in crimson, and they just, if defensive line looking to end the balls in there, that's not good. That means you didn't win your one on one pass rush. So, secondary got exposed. Um, the defense just the defense show. I said this. The defense. I said, "Hey, Alabama's gonna ask Georgia. Uh, can you blush? Can you flinch? Georgia flinched, and and I said Alabama's job was to expose Georgia's weakness. Who would have ever thought it would have been what they do? Like, hey man, we're gonna t- they gonna do what they do. We're gonna pick up that blitz. We're gonna go one on one on the outside with our tackles. We're gonna slide that line. We're gonna neutralize that monster in the middle named Jordan Davis. And four hundred and twenty some passing yards later." We have won the SEC championship game, going from number three to number. It was it was a performance for the ages, Kevin. And coming from a guy who watched uh, Mac, I mean Mac Jones and those boys do it to my Florida Gators last year. When Alabama's offense is on, it's like yeah. there's thirty of them out there. And again, I think uh, you look at that. I think obviously there were questions about Stetson. You said earlier in the show, hey, he could have thrown four picks, maybe five picks, and could have, should have. He didn't, but I mean, there were opportunities where he threw uh, poor footballs. What if you're if you're Georgia? Are you looking at right now with your quarterback situation? We kind of asked that in in take three, but you got a month, well, three weeks to get ready for Michigan, and that is a team that is also kind of on a. They're on the Georgia track from five years ago. Yeah, that'd be. I mean, honestly, I know I know Harbaugh's yeah. been around longer, yeah. but they're on the Georgia track where Kirby Smart was when he first took over the Georgia program. That's where Michigan is now. Like, hey, get us there. And now get in the playoff and let's try to do something. And we want to climb. So it's kind of interesting uh, to see these two teams on their track. But if you're talking about the quarterback situation, what are you looking at here with three weeks to prepare, knowing that if, for whatever reason, 
Michigan's able to do what Alabama did, and I don't know if they're going to score as much, but if Michigan's just able to move the football, if Michigan is able to take a ball from the 20 to the opposing 40 or the 35 and punch you deep, that could be a win. If we got to play 80, 90 plays on defense, which they hardly ever had to do all season long, how does our offense respond? What are you talking about here if you're Coach Munkin with three weeks to go, knowing that you got a quarterback that can make some plays, might you might have to live with a bad play, and if you go with the backup, it's a guy who hasn't played significant snaps in two months. I, w- I would say, Kevin, for me, I'm not a firm believer in, dra- in drastic uh, changes because we got exposed. You know what got exposed on offense? Outside of Bowers. I mean, I'm being honest. Outside of Bowers, who do you have – that hurts you on the perimeter. The running game for Georgia has been obsolete. Like, they don't, they haven't had guys that just take over games like Tony Michelle, like Nick Chubbs of the world. So, you know, you got McConkley and those guys. I mean, you got George Pickens. So, George Pickens is a guy that made one play. They got him out because they don't want to hurt him. McConkley is a guy that made a big play on the screen. And obviously, Bowers is Bowers. I mean, over 10 catches, are like, what, 100 and, what, 40-something, 50-yard, two, you know, touchdowns. And Darnell Washington made an appearance by Bob Mawson, the guy, when he didn't even have to jump. That's what happened when you got six, 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 seven versus six feet. But for me, Kevin, is, hey, man, play football. Like, Burton, Garrett Jackson, what's up? Because, Kevin, football is about individual matchups first, playing the scheme second. I got to win my individual matchup. And if you go back to that game, think about something. Stetson Bennett, I said this, I said Alabama, they're going to see. You're not going to be a dramatically different team coming out of halftime. You're going to make adjustments. You know how that second pick happened for the touchdown? They thought it was going to cover two, and they got cover two robber, and he got picked off for a touchdown. That's scheming. You know why? Because who was he trying to get the ball to? Bowers. And the thing about it, Bowers made a catch in traffic. It was about three people around him. You're gonna Stetson's gonna trust the guy who's gotten who uh who's who's uh, who's been in safety safety valve all year. So for me, Kevin is look. JT got a big arm. You know who else had a big arm? I guess I'll say Jacob Easton. Where did he end up? Ends up and watch. I guess so. This guy got a big arm. And just because you can throw the ball far doesn't mean you're the best player for the team. JT Daniels didn't make it at the team he was at, right? That's yeah. how he ended up at Georgia. So stick with Stetson. Tell those guys they got to get better in a hurry. Try to try to try to make the best. Listen, George Pickens, you make the best decision for yourself, young man. Even though this is the biggest game of Georgia history, you got a lot of games to play after this. But I think you stick with Stetson, Kevin, because I don't think I think if JT plays on Saturday, it's it's even worse. Well, then then that brings me to my next question because We mentioned it earlier with Tommy Bowden, with with Brooks. So far, the national talking points, and I've listened to, you know, Keyshawn, J. Will, Max. I heard Mike Greenberg talk about everybody nationally is saying, oh, we're going to see Georgia-Bama again. Mm -hmm. So if if we expect a rematch, should we expect a different result? If you believe in Kirby Smart, Todd Munkin, and Dan Lanning's ability to make adjustments, if they play again, should we expect a different result? Nope. Because uh, are you going to have different players? John Mitchell might not be out there. But think about this. Think about this. You know what Alabama – you don't know, you know Alabama gain more of coming out of the game they had going in? Confidence. Because make no mistake about it, Kevin. I mean, this is a new crew. Bryce Young is about to do something to Alabama that's never been done. And that's not win the SEC championship. That's to win the Heisman. So you replace Mac Jones. You replace Jalen Wilder. You replace Devonta Smith. You replace Najee Harris. And you back in the same position you was in with those guys gone, except now the quarterback is going to win. You replace an S, you replace the first round draft picks at receiver. You add Williams, you add Mechie. So Kevin, it might be a better game, 
If Jordan Jordan Davis, what he gonna he gonna develop a pass rush in three weeks? That's not what he does. Dan Landing ain't gonna Dan Landing gonna do with a lot of other people. No, you gave Alabama one week to get ready for you this time. Now you gonna give them three, and they gonna and and they gonna be trying well, to. Well, they would back have a week to get ready after the after the first I, round. I, but yeah, I, I understand what you're saying. I, I just think for me, Kevin, it is hard to beat a team twice. It is hard to beat a team twice. But the whole thing about it is right. <clears throat> We're going to be at SC Media Days next year. If Alabama plays Georgia twice and they beat them twice, think about what that does to the program of Georgia. Think about what that does to them. Because the last thing you want to see is maybe we've gone as high as we can go. I'm not saying Georgia can't beat Alabama. But you know, but it ain't, it ain't, this is why I think, this is why I say don't look forward. Michigan is literally Georgia in a different color. Because they had to get over Ohio State and they did it. You don't think getting over Alabama helps you win as a championship? Ask 2019 LSU what it does. And I think that for me, if you could beat Alabama, you could beat anybody. But if you can't beat them, it's that, it's the, it's the, it's the, it's that, Kevin, it's everybody's going up against a team or a player in your past. You say, dude, it was this one dude I used to go. I just couldn't get the better of him. That don't mean you ain't elite. But when elite meets elite, something got to give. Because the thing about the thing about Michigan, people need to know, Michigan ain't fighting for respect no more. They fighting for supremacy. They've already got respect because they beat Ohio State. Look past Michigan if you want to with two bookend defensive ends with one of them being picked the number one because you look down the road, Kevin, the next thing you know, like, hey, people are going to be saying, forget what happened in the championship game. What happened against Michigan? If you are one of the last four teams standing, you are good enough to beat anybody in it. That's Cincinnati. That's Michigan. So don't look too far down the road because Stetson Bennett, just imagine when you got two defensive ends coming at you and both of them are bookends. Michigan plays slow Big Ten football, Kevin, but for one game with everything on the line, mm, Mm, mm. That's that, that's what we're gonna see. Who's really built for the moment? I think you got two teams that's trying to get over the hump, and we'll 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 see, we'll see who uh who's vying to try to get back to the natty to play them uh, Crimson Tide yeah, boys. Yeah, how bad do you want that rematch? Uh, you got to show it against Michigan, as you said first before you get there. We've got more to come here on Three Nouns. A big weekend for coaching changes. Of course, that transfer portal out there as well. We'll get to that next. It's Three Nouns on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Southern Pigskin Radio Network, Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop. Glad you are making us a part of your day. Ben, it has been quite the coaching carousel, and you've got, what, now nine days until the early signing period uh, begins. Billy Napier taking over officially uh, at, at Florida there uh, yesterday after the uh, the Sunbelt Championship game. So you got a number of coaches that are coming in, have 10 days, or really now nine days, to hit the ground running and either recruit, or hit that transfer portal and try to find some players relatively quickly. At least at the uh, uh, FBS level, you get a lot of guys who sign 80% of their class here in the early signing period. The one thing I do know, Kevin, is uh, you know Billy Napier, who you know just got uh, you know got got introduced uh, uh, for Florida. He's already out there uh, recruiting, um, and and that's the name of the game. I mean, I don't know why Dan Mullen, former Florida Gator head coach, said what he said about we'll talk about recruiting when it's time. No, recruiting is every day. And the one thing, <clears throat> Kevin, that it's not talked about either is we, we, we hear about the head coaches, assistant coaches, and recruiting. What about the analysts? I wonder if analysts are – I mean, I'm pretty sure if you're on a staff, you can get out there and recruit. But, yes, Kevin, that is the lifeblood of every program. And I will say this about the transfer portal. The transfer portal is for young men who made decisions who said, hey, man, maybe it's not working out. New coaching staff's coming in. Not, not necessarily because you get to a school and you got to compete for a spot. That's football. So for guys who say, hey, man, this, it's, it's, this, this room is talented. Uh, Hello? 
it's a lot of guys here that can play. Yeah. And, and don't give me that being it's easy for you to say that. Um, I started one year in college. That was my senior year. I started one year in high school, and that was my senior year. I did not want to play because I wasn't the guy when I first got out there. I stuck with it. So I understand that the transfer portal, Kevin, it's for guys, unfortunately, like a Jameer Gibbs, who say, I think y'all just not utilizing my talent. I love my school, but I want to play. But, you know, when you talk about, uh, what's his name, Quinn, Quinn, Quinn Ewers? Or what I, mm-hmm. say. Yep. I mean, the number one recruit in the 2021 class. Let, listen, missed his senior year of high school because he signed an NIL deal to go to Ohio State. He's in the transfer portal. Let me tell y'all something right now. They're, <laughs> they're going to ask your former coach what type of player you were even if you never hit the field. It's not because I want these ideal situations. There is no – you know what an ideal situation is? Free college tuition to play a sport. That is ideal. Well, being there are guys that just want to play. Every guy at a school wants to play. Look at the sideline on college, please. It is littered with players. Ain't but 11 are going to be out there. So don't give me that, my son came here to play, like every other person child. So, yes, Kevin, getting back to what you were saying, yes, the coaches got to get out there and recruit Kevin because the thing about it is I'd rather have a bunch of <laughs> – Sorry, I'd rather have a bunch of room full of five stars and have to close my eyes and pick than to hope that the five-star <clears throat> Georgia pans out and I don't have to go with a guy who is a walk-on who is getting it done. So recruiting is tricky, Kevin. I do think because of teams like Cincinnati, that's going to make more guys not think that I got to go to a certain school to get you know to get notoriety or to get the uh, the attention. But, hey, Kevin, hey, nine, nine days away, um, we're going to see if those number one recruiting classes stay number one recruiting classes because – you have to win the perception battle, that is the recruiting class, before you even start thinking about winning games on the field. Absolutely. And, again, I look at uh, you know, the transfer portal and guys who are new into bad situations or guys who are on the hot seat, you know, a la Jeff Collins or guys like How much do you utilize that transfer portal? And, and, and you look at it and say, well, what do you mean? How much do you have to coach them up, you know, develop them, Coach him up versus, hey, you, you get a guy that's maybe been in college for two years and maybe is closer to being ready. He's still got to learn your scheme, but is closer to being ready to come in and impact right this minute and maybe save your job. I, I, I want those guys right now. I'm not I, – listen, I am not naive. Kevin, at the end of the day, okay, let, let, let's, just, let's just make it to more practical situations. Um, you, you, I, listen, I need, I need a – my car is broken down, right? I need a mechanic. Now – I would love to go out there and get a young man who just got out of school, went to, went to trade school as a mechanic, you know. But my neighbor is a mechanic for 30 years, self-taught. Didn't have to, I'm, I'm going to go with the guy who has more experience. Not saying that, I, that the young man who just graduated can't do it. I want to get the person who, hey, I had to work on cars that didn't have computers and diagnostics attached to the car to let you know what's wrong with the car. I had to go up under the hood and see what's going on with the car. So, yes, Kevin, I, I, would, I want a guy that's already developed because sometimes, Kevin, I want to show these new guys what college football is. Like, when I got to college as a freshman, we did everything with the freshman guys. We lifting weights, we running, we lifting, we, we doing practice, and we thinking we doing it. And then the upperclassmen came back. And I was like, we ain't look like that. We don't look like that physically. We ain't moving like that athletically. So, sometimes, Kevin, you, did, Kevin, you just showed me a video of a young man Hitting, doing the coin toss, we thinking, well which, well, which one of these guys you think is going D1? Yeah. Hmm. And then they, you couldn't see, then they turned to the side. I'm like, what? And all I'm saying is, people, listen, there are certain cars out there, right, that you've never, you don't know nobody that got one, 
But if one pull up, you go, oh, my God. That's what a D1 athlete is. They're yeah. rare. They're, it's 25 per school, and I'm sorry. It's what? Two million kids play high school football. I don't know how many it is. A lot, and and yeah. we're going to break it down to 20. One state can probably fill up every roster in, in most colleges. So I, I know that everybody thinks they're D1. But like I said, back in the day when the Chrysler 300 went to their new status, and the Chrysler 300 looks just like a phantom until a phantom pulled up. And I'm like, wait, exactly. It looks like a Chrysler 300. And that's no shout out to Chrysler 300. I, I like those cars. But Kevin, you know, just like I know, everybody wants to be that D1 athlete. But yeah. as JT Daniels, he thought, hey, man, I'm going to leave USC. I'm going to go to Georgia. And now I can't get my – I'm not even winning it over a guy that had no stars next to his name. Yep. That's college football, it, It's crazy. And we'll see how much that transfer portal gets utilized in the next nine days leading up to that early signing period. We've got more to come here. Three and out all across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Football uh, here on the show, Ben, but didn't want to uh, give the Falcons their Monday five minutes. They lost again. Oh, okay. And lost at home. Nick Saban has more wins in Mercedes-Benz this year than the Falcons do. So the Falcons do have one win at home. Uh-oh. Oh, wait, they were the home team in London, so that doesn't necessarily I mean, count. all I'm going to say is this. First a goal on the one, they come away with three points. That's all you need to know. That's, that's all you need to know. They're, listen, zero creativity. When, it, when 10 yards – now, in between the 20s, Kevin, I'm telling you, they'll come up with some plays. I mean – Kyle Pitts to come, he'll, he'll run a tight end under. Stiff arm, a guy running down the sideline, and all of a sudden when they get the 10-yard in, listen, this is what we're going to do. We're going to try to get open. Matty Ice is going to try to find the open guy. Mike da- it was a Mike Davis sighting yesterday in the end zone. I said, I said, wait a minute, Mike Davis can run that thing? Yeah, Cordell was out there catching passes, running that thing. Kyle Pitts looking good. They lose. You know why? Because I, th- I think Godwin had Mike. Mike Godwin might have had 15 catches. Can't guard Mike Evans. He run it down. And Gronk, two Touchdown passes. Gronk wears offensive lineman cleats, and he's still out there getting them. Hey, they still my Falcons. You know, I'm a rock with them, Kevin. Because at this point, I have to. You know, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna jump off the off the ship. But Jesus, I mean, get like a everybody win. said, don't after they uh, beat Jackson was like, don't <laughs> don't buy in the. Uh, they're still in the playoff hunt stuff. You got to beat a team that's you know. Yeah, I think one my, more than five games in the last three years combined. So I mean, it's just crazy. Houston, the Houston Texans are the only team right now that has been eliminated. From the playoffs, and Detroit got their first win of the season. I want y'all to listen. Detroit, I know it's hard to believe, still has an opportunity to make the playoffs, and they are one ten and one. So, <laughs> <laughs> so all I'm saying is, you know, uh, the great what was it, Brent Musburger, when he said, "Listen, it pays to be a starting quarterback." Just type in Jared Goff, and you'll thank me later. <laughs> but I'm just saying, at the end of the day, Kevin. The Falcons are the Falcons. This is the problem, though, Kevin. They be in the game, and all of a sudden, it just it just goes downhill. It's just done. So, it's Atlanta. You know, Jacksonville lost, too. So, BJ ain't got nothing to feel good about either, you know. So, right now. But 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 if you are looking for an offensive coordinator, Joe Brady is available. He got fired by the Carolina Panthers. <laughs> yeah, again, I, I told you that before the show. You have uh, Joe Brady and Ed Ogeron, both the hottest things going in college football two years ago. Both now without jobs. How's that for job stability, Ben? Hey, won the national title. Record-breaking offense. Man, there's no hotter name in college football than Joe Brady. How he's going to go run that offense for the Carolina Panthers. Cam got one game benched. You got Sam Darnold. He hasn't been the answer. And now Joe Brady. Less than two years. A Mm. year and three quarters. Done. 
Kevin's as listen, the OC in Carolina. So there you go. I mean, as I say, the grass is the green on the other side, ladies and gentlemen. That is AstroTurf. That's that's not that's not grass at all. So for you, if you are a Joe Brady fan, he will he will land somewhere, yeah. Kevin. With the way they're giving our money these days, I think he needs to go back to college to where you know he could be the man and not making the headline news for being the only guy uh, fired. When, like I said, Dan Campbell in Detroit, one game. And out, final hour here on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Kevin Thomas, he has been Troop. Glad you're with us here on the program as uh, the SEC Championship over the weekend, Alabama over uh, Georgia. Uh, Georgia, though, back in the college football playoffs. They'll have Michigan get by there. Likely, I will get another crack there at Alabama. Joining us here on the program to talk about Georgia and their road forward. Former Georgia tied in. And a fifth-round pick in 2014 by the Miami Dolphins. Arthur Lynch joins us here on 3 and Out. Arthur, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Before we talk to you about uh, the game specifically, uh, talk to us about what you see when you watch Brock Bowers play tight end. He's obviously setting records there uh, for touchdown passes there at uh, Georgia as a tight end. He's just a freshman. What makes him uh, so special? Yeah, it's a, it's a great point. Um, I think the thing that sets him apart is his ability to create separation uh, vertically. Uh, he's got he really does have some elite top end speed um, for someone who is that size. Uh, my guess is he's probably around a four 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 five guy. You know, he's every, he's every inch of six foot four. He's two hundred thirty five pounds. Uh, he's very very lethal with the ball in his hands after the catch. Um, so much so that you know, I think uh, it's very hard for defenses to gauge how lethal he is. Maybe they, maybe they do now after watching um, so much film on him and watching him do it week in and week out. But really, I just think it's the ability to create separation uh, at, at you know several levels in the defense, both the linebacker level and the DB level. Uh, but at six four, two thirty five, when he can run like that, and he's got the ball skills of a wide receiver. You know, it, it's pretty remarkable that uh, he is the top receiving threat for UGA. And if he continues down this path, um, you know, I think he'll shatter pretty much every receiving record at UGA, which is uh, saying something. I don't mean just for tight ends. I mean for all receiving records. And also, a guy as young as uh, Bowers, right? I mean, the hardest thing about the SEC is just picking up the game speed, picking up uh, the playbook and finding a way to go out there and be yourself. Just talk about him. Just being, you know, uh, just wise beyond his years. I mean, he's obviously the best playmaker on an offense, taking that away from, you know, pickers and those guys. Just talk about his maturity level, being able to handle these moments and really being, uh, you know, the safety valve for, uh, uh, you know, uh, for Stetson Bennett all season. Yeah, you know, that's, that's a really good point. Um, you, you hit the nail on the head. To, you know, the SEC, uh, it, it's, it's such a different level of football, both from a physicality standpoint and, and a football IQ standpoint. Um for Brock to come in uh, day one uh, and make his impact known pretty early on, uh, I mean, he had, he had a really good game. I think he had four or five catches in, in that Clemson game, and and really hasn't you know hasn't looked back. Uh, and I think I think that's you know there's three reasons why that's the case. First, I think it comes down to coaching. I think Coach Munkin and, and Todd Hartley, the tight end coaches, done a really good job of, of implementing their offense and then uh, developing and maturing the, the players, uh, you, know, you know, to where they can succeed at a high level. I think, uh, you know, the second um, point is, you know, Brock is obviously a very smart individual. He's a, he's a very, you know, highly competitive individual who, who wants to be great and clearly is great. And I think third also is just the depth of that tight end room specifically, right? 
you got you got guys like Fitzpatrick, you got guys like uh, Washington, and then obviously you got you got the stud and Brock Bowers. My guess is they have a really highly competitive room. They push one another to be great on and off the field, and ultimately I think when you have that highly competitive environment within a position group, you know you kind of see it on the defensive side of the ball with with George defense, those guys hold each other accountable, they push each other, and they make each other better. I would imagine that the tight end group is very much the same. Arthur, obviously it didn't go George's way in the SEC championship. Uh, what's it going to take, I guess, for them to clear that Alabama hurdle? Yeah, well, I mean, I think, they, you know, I think all of us uh, have a little bit of Alabama fatigue at this point, starting back in 2012 when I was there, you know, and obviously the, the four games um, since then. You know, we have to realize that they're just another football team. Uh, we've played, we've played and beaten a lot of good football teams, not named Alabama, and there's no reason we can't do the same for them. Uh, I do think Georgia, you know, was met with some adversity on Saturday, and their defense has played very, very well, dominantly, really all year long. But they've never had to play from behind, and the offense hasn't really had to play from behind either. And I think they were a little bit flustered. Uh, luckily, we we took care of business all year up to that point where we kind of had a mulligan. I know that's not what Georgia what Georgia fans want to hear, but we knew we were going going to be in the playoff no matter what, uh, barring some really freaky stuff that may have happened that did, did not happen. Uh, so I think ultimately we need to look forward uh, at Michigan uh, and realize that this is a very tough and scary opponent. Uh, I think out of all the other teams in the in college football, Michigan and Georgia are most alike. They're, they're a well-coached, highly physical, disciplined defensive football team. They're, they can run the ball dominantly and they can run the ball effectively, really at will. They're very big up front. They're dominant up front both sides uh, on both sides of the ball, and I think Georgia's going to have a challenge with them. But you know, ultimately, you, you, when you're when you're looking at it, when you're looking at a team and an opponent, and, and Alabama just kind of has a little mental you know, hiccup to us now, and I, and you know, you just have to treat every single game uh, like uh, like any other opponent. And, and it's obviously easier said than done. Um, five times now, Alabama's beaten us. And, you know, it, it's, it's, it's tough pill to swallow, that's for sure. And, Arthur, even, even, <clears throat> even talk about that little moment, you talk about Michigan, you talk about a team that's about as similar to Georgia <clears throat> as you can get, a team that finally got over the hump, beat Ohio State, winning the Big Ten Championship, but now they face a team in Georgia that outside of the different colors and the location, really, really similar. How hard is it to play, to play a team that mirrors you as much as Michigan does Georgia? Well, I think the one good thing that our, that that our offense will have the experience is, you know, when they go one on ones, uh, ones versus ones in practice, and what they've been doing since spring last year, they're going against one of the best defenses, you know, historically in college football, uh, and, and I'm talking about our own. So I don't think we'll be. I don't think I can't imagine Georgia and that offensive uh, side, you know, side of the football will be intimidated by Michigan's defense. With that being said, I think they're they know that they're they're going to play an elite defense in Michigan. And they're going to have to do everything in their power, especially up front, to get some movement, create separation, and, and, and move the ball down the field. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, they're going to have three, three and a half, four weeks to prepare for this game. Um, Kirby Smart and uh, his staff are going to do an unbelievable job getting them ready. Uh, but you, you just have to take it one day at a time. Preparation is going to be key. Um, but I would imagine they're going to want to establish the run early on, which is going to be easier said than done against this defensive front. But I think Georgia, you know, the best asset they have is they go against, you know, elite defenders on every single day at practice. And, you know, hopefully that translates to the game. I think it will. 
Arthur Lynch joining us here on Three and Out. And you, you talk about getting ready for a uh, opponent in Michigan. And it seems like, at least from a national standpoint, everybody's talking about the rematch. How do you put that aside, knowing that that's the team you want to beat, but you still got a huge game? I mean, and again, it's because everybody's talking about Alabama-Georgia, the rematch, Alabama-Georgia, the rematch. And you got to get past a pretty good team standing in the way first. Yeah, I think that just comes down to coaching um, and managing the expectations of your team. Uh, you know, focusing focusing your entire efforts on the task at hand. And that task at hand is to beat Michigan because there is no there is no rematch without without beating Michigan, right? Um, and you know, the same the same could be said for Alabama and Cincinnati. Uh, if you're one of the four teams that's left playing at this point in the at this point in the season, you're obviously an elite. You're an elite talent. An elite talent. You're one of the elite football teams in college football. And so, I can't imagine that Kirby Smart and, and his staff is going to have his team, you know, overlooking a Michigan opponent, especially a Michigan opponent that's hungry and, and, and out to prove something. Because similar to what we experienced at Georgia and Ohio State, you know, they finally got over the hump, and they could have easily had a letdown against Iowa, and they really showed up and put their. Uh, Put their boot on their throat and and left no doubt for uh, the committee and, and the rest of college football to be like, okay, Michigan is the real deal. I imagine that Georgia wants to have that same same kind of like a stamp of approval, especially in the playoffs after the game that they had on Saturday. So I don't think they'll overlook them, but ultimately that is something to be a, a, something of a concern because it is easy to kind of you know be chomping the bit to get another shot at Alabama, but there's no shot at Alabama if you don't take care of business in the semifinal. And Arthur, even <clears throat> excuse me, even going back to to your days at Georgia to see what Georgia is now. Most of the time, when you leave your alma mater, you want to see those guys keep going to the next level and the next level. It's got to make you feel good being, you know, a Georgia alum, knowing that <clears throat> even what you guys started, they still trying to take it to the next level and finally be that last team standing. Hopefully, yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, I think anyone that played during, uh, you know, the Rick era uh, or, or any teammates of mine, you know, we had some pretty good teams, but to kind of see the level of consistency and the amount of talent that Kirby has been able to kind of harbor in Athens is just damn impressive. Um, you know, I know there's guys on the team now where I, I look in the mirror, I'm like, I don't know if I'd be playing, I would, I would see many snaps if I was there, uh, you know, especially that tight end room. I, I might be playing tackler, guard or center, not so much tight end. So, to be able to see the elite-level talent that Kirby has got there and, and harbored that talent and, and really, you know, the level of consistency, consistency of their play has, has been pretty pretty pristine and pretty elite. So it, it, it makes you proud, right? And, and there's, they, can, they haven't reached the, 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 uh, the apex of the mountain. They will. I, I, I'm confident they will. Uh, but they just got to take it one game at a time, one day at a time, and, you know, hopefully they, this is the year they win national championship. And if it's not the year, I, I, I would imagine that Kirby's going to be the guy to get him there. It's just going to, you know, you got to show up with your uh, hard hat every day and go to work. Now, Arthur, man, I mean, if that, <clears throat> if this is the year that, that, that Georgia finally exercised a lot of demons, they get they get to the national championship. Whether it be Alabama, obviously we want it, you know, because of because of the drama, you want it to be Alabama, but whoever it is. And and Georgia is the 2022, uh, you know, 2021 uh, BC uh, college football playoff national champions. What is it going to mean to you? Oh, I mean, look, the, we had, when I was in 2012, we were so dang close to going to the national championship game, and, and I know that, you know, when you when you get that close, you can taste it. It's it leaves a pretty bittersweet um, 
taste in your mouth. And then when you see the fact that they had three or four other attempts where they got as close, if not closer, you know, it, it, it's, a, it's a gut punch now, right? It, 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 it hurts your soul. Um, and knowing what it means to play football at the University of Georgia, what it means to the state, what it means to the, the university – to be a uh, you know student athlete there, I know how much how badly these guys want it. I know how hard these guys work and what they sacrifice and what their coaches and the administration staff sacrifices. So I'm always pulling for them. Um, I know my teammates and former teammates are always pulling for them. So it would there, there would be a certain level of vindication for them to get over the hump and win national championship. But Teams just haven't done. Um, I know these guys have put in the work. I know they've, they've done everything they possibly can at this point. They just have to go out there and execute. And luckily, they've put themselves in a position, uh, you know, for the second time in three or four years, where they're one of the final four teams. Um, and hopefully, at the end of the uh, at the end of the year, early 2022, they're the last team standing. Arthur Lynch, our guest here on Three and Out, former Georgia tight end. Our guest, Arthur, appreciate the time. Thanks so much. Yeah, absolutely, guys. Thank you so much. Go Dogs. Appreciate it. Arthur Lynch joining us here on 3 and Out. And, again, disappointment in the SEC championship game. But, Ben, still have a second uh, second uh, round here. They've got to get through uh, Michigan. May have another crack at Alabama before it's all said and done. Oh, man. I mean, Arthur kind of said to the best, man. He said that when you th- when you think about uh, this Georgia team, they had they had a mulligan. No, going into a game knowing that I'm going to be in the college football playoff, no matter what happens, is definitely is – definitely, uh, you know, a comforting feeling, uh, Kevin. But, you know, <clears throat> just like I know, that one thorn in their side, even going way back when, I mean, Georgia's played Alabama five times. There's a championship game. They've lost five times, you know, Alabama, I guess, in the SEC championship game or five times overall. You want to be able to know that, that can we do it? I think about this again. Urban Meyer is not just famous because he won national championships of Florida. Who did he have to beat to get there? Had to beat Alabama. Urban Meyer, when he goes to Ohio State, who did he have to beat in the college football playoff? Alabama. Dabo Sweeney. Who do you have to be? Alabama. Coach Ogeron. Who do you have to be? Alabama. So these guys, they are, listen, they are throwing in a lot of people's sides. I mean, throwing in a lot of people's sides. So I think that, Kevin, yes, it's good. But one thing about it, the notion of we want Bama, mm, sounds like Freddy Krueger to me, man. Everybody said they wanted to, they got it. And it doesn't matter what they did when they wasn't playing you. It's what you did when you played them. And not too many teams can say they, they horsed up that W against them boys from Krueger. Uh, from Tuscaloosa. We've got more to come here on 3 and Out. We'll get to your phone calls and more. Hit us up on Twitter at Pigskin Radio or dial us up 912-342-7184. We're talking college football playoffs and more next. It's 3 and Out. Good to, good to have you back here 3 and Out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop, glad you are with us. College football playoffs, Ben. Alabama and Cincinnati, Georgia and Michigan. We talked a lot about people expecting the rematch, but let's talk about the the first first games. How competitive do you think this is going to be? Because it seems like a lot of people say, oh, it's Cincinnati. They're a good story, but Alabama will handle them. And again, a lot of people talking up the rematch with Georgia and Bama. How competitive, and a lot of times that's been the rub. We don't need to expand the playoffs. We can't even get competitive games in a four-team playoff. How competitive do you expect it to be? <clears throat> I expect them to be extremely competitive, and this is why. Kevin, just think about this season. Okay. Nobody expected when – when, when Michigan played Ohio State, we just chalked it up. Man, my, I mean, Michigan can't beat Ohio State. It's going to be, you know, different years, same result. And then you turn on the TV and go, my God, Michigan didn't just beat Ohio State. They ran them off the field. 
all right, Oklahoma State, man, this is the year. They finally beat Oklahoma. They're going to get to, they're going to win the Big 12. They're going to, nope, get beat in the Big 12 championship game. Cincinnati, there's no way they're going to make the college football playoff, man. They Cincinnati, no one cares about Cincinnati. They beat Notre Dame, they ain't good enough. They're in. I keep telling people this. You got to look at the stakes first, not just who's playing. For people thinking that, that Georgia is just going to push over, by, I mean, push over Michigan, based off of what? Michigan beat their team they had to beat to get here. What if Georgia had to beat Alabama to get in the SEC championship game? They probably wouldn't have got there. So all I'm saying is Cincinnati is a team, Kevin, that's been, let's face it, looked over. But what they needed to do, they did. Two things that happened that needed to happen. They needed to beat Notre Dame, and they needed Notre Dame to stay good the rest of the year and only lose to them, and, and Notre Dame did that. So I would say the same thing we thought about Cincinnati against Georgia last year in the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl, that came down to a field goal. And who was the starting quarterback? JT Daniels. Who was the starting receivers? And all, you know, they had, they had a full array of receivers and running backs, and it came down to a field goal. Now, I was going to say Desmond Ritter was the quarterback. De- De- Desmond, yeah, he's yeah, still De- there. Desmond Ritter was the quarterback. And, Kevin, I mean, Kobe Bryant, one, one may he rest in peace, there is a Kobe Bryant that plays, <laughs> uh, you know, for Cincinnati, might be the number one cornerback in the country, and that's taking nothing away from every other cornerback coming out in the 2022 draft. Stop looking past people because of that's just Michigan. Let me tell y'all something. When it comes to brands, Notre Dame is the biggest brand in college football. Michigan ain't far behind. Michigan is a huge brand. So when people think, oh, they going to travel? Yes. Michigan Michigan is like Cub fans. They've been waiting on this a long time. So they're going to travel. But, Kevin, as soon as as soon as Georgia won it, I'm not saying Georgia won it, but as soon as Georgia decided to look past Michigan, Michigan got two things that Georgia ain't – no, three things, a pass rush, a offensive line, and a running game. They can run that thing. They got two bookend defensive ends, with one potentially being, uh, you know, Hutchinson potentially being the, uh, the number one pick. <clears throat> and they got and they got some offensive linemen, man, that they got beef up front. And a quarterback who, you know, he ain't getting a lot of respect because of where he plays, not what he's doing. And as far as, like, Alabama and Cincinnati, Cincinnati, they fighting for respect. They like, dude, what else we got to do? I, we play in this conference. We, we in a part of America that most people don't really, you know, cherish football outside of the Bengals and, the, and Pittsburgh Steelers and the Ravens. I'm sorry that we're the Bearcats. <laughs> but guess what? The Bearcats are one of the top four teams. People go, who went to the Bearcats? You ever heard of a guy named Travis Kelsey? Best tight end in the NFL? Yeah. He was he he played he played for them nasty natty boys. All I'm saying is, at the end of the day, Kevin, it's gonna be more compelling than we think because of the stakes. And and dare I say this, I know everybody's looking forward to the rematch, and I'm probably one of those people too. But is college football ready for a Michigan Cincinnati national championship? Well, that, I mean I mean, I don't think Kevin, I don't think that's gonna happen. I don't but I just think at the end of the day, Kevin, Cincinnati is going to show you why they're afraid to put teams like that in the college football playoff because they're better than people give them credit for. Let's face it, the average person has never seen Cincinnati Bearcats play. You've seen the Cincinnati Bengals, haven't seen the Bearcats. And when it comes to Georgia, they expect Georgia to just run all over uh, you know, Michigan. But I'm telling you, the most compelling game going to be that night, the nightcap. Michigan versus Georgia, <clears throat> I'm telling y'all, Michigan make this a four-quarter game, one of those ugly Big Ten type games, Kevin. If Georgia loses to Michigan, what is that going to do to not just Kirby Smart but the Georgia program? Because you're going to start saying, well, is it us or, you know, you know what may happen? In the big game, I, I, potentially, but I would say they're still on solid footing because they got there. Yes. And I will take, you know, college football play. I, I mean, how much is it going to help Cincinnati, the fact that they're there? Huge. I mean, the fact that they're going to play, even if they lose to Alabama big, the fact that Cincinnati was there, got to help that program in a big way. I think for Georgia, it's just don't get caught up in the – 
we're ready for the rematch, and everybody's saying <laughs> rematch, rematch, rematch. Yeah. Because, again, I think Michigan, as you said, is, is a very good team, and they're equally as hungry. Uh, we, we talked earlier with uh, with Brooks Austin. Look, for, for as much as Georgia wants to get this, I mean, it's been since 2004 before Michigan has been hanging around the top of the standings like this. Uh, and now they're here, they're yep. the number two seed yep. uh, going against and they earn and, 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 out of, and out of the four teams in it, they got the best resume. Like, you look at who played the hardest teams, it would be Michigan with Penn State. You know, uh, you know, you're talking about Michigan, you're talking State, Mich- Ohio, Michigan State. Ohio State. But I, I just I just know this, Kevin, man. I, the thing about college football, it's very, very even when the stakes are, are the same. It's like if you're playing in a championship game, it really doesn't matter what you've done up to that point. Can you do it now? All that stuff you've done doesn't matter. Can you do it today? The great Herm Edwards said, look, it's not, it's, listen, it's not, it's, it's, it's not about who you are. It's how you play on the day that you play. And, and I go back to this Michigan team again, once again. Yeah. I mean, keep, this notion of, oh, it's Michigan. I'm going to tell you all something. Michigan might have – they have the best set of defensive ends left in the tournament. The best set of cornerbacks, that would be Cincinnati. The best quarterback, that would be Alabama. The best overall team might be Georgia. The most feared team might be it's, – it's so many storylines that go on, but Desmond Ritter, dual threat. A guy that can hurt you with his, with his legs and, and throwing the football two bookend cornerbacks, one name being Kobe Brown. It's going to be some storylines galore, Kevin, but I, I'm telling you, Georgia – and we and we talking we we saying as if Georgia has said Georgia this is all fans and 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 narratives being pushed out there but uh, if you Michigan you seeing what you can you know expose to Georgia and the one thing you know you can is dude if we can pick up this blitz we can pick up this pass rush we got a shot because let me tell y'all something I don't care who your cornerbacks are and safeties are one on one with cornerbacks and receivers I will take that matchup on the offensive side every single. Time, but the one thing Michigan DBs know, they got a pass rush. So it's 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 gonna be BJ. I mean BJ Kevin. We gonna we gonna break this game down every which way sure. possible. But the more we start getting in, getting into the numbers, I know BJ is a numbers guy. Hopefully he'll be back with us tomorrow. Michigan is dangerous. Cincinnati's dangerous because nobody listen. Michigan isn't a usual suspect. They ain't Ohio State. They ain't the face of the conference. Cincinnati, where they come from, where they, who, what conference they even, who they even play. So, because you got two unusual suspects against two quote, you know, national, you know, uh, appeal, appealing teams, we go with the national appeal. Okay, I'm telling you, we might be shocked. I think the Shocker got more of a chance to be in the in the in the my, I mean, the Michigan Georgia game, the Cincinnati Alabama. Yeah. But I'm telling you, Kevin, it's gonna be a better game than people give it credit for because, like I said, Cincinnati can do the Cincinnati. We finally got a team, Kevin, to say it's us against the world because it is. Now, with them, that's a true narrative. Yeah, and again, you talk about anything can happen in college football. Look no further than Championship Saturday. Georgia was the favorite on the field. They lost. Oklahoma State, I believe, was the favorite. They lost in the Big 12 championship game. Out in the West, was it the uh, the WAC? San Diego State yep. was the, the clear favorite in that conference. I think they were like 11-1, and and they lost. Uh, so uh, you saw a number of supposed favorites lose in their conference championship game. And I've, I asked this a couple weeks ago when you, when you heard, uh, hey, the SEC got 13 of their 14 schools. And I'm like, yeah, and half of those are 6-6. Six and six. Is seven and five. Are we seeing parity in college football to the point where nobody's running away and dominating this thing? The middle seems to be pretty gooey where anybody can beat anybody. Hence a lot of seven and five, six and six teams all across uh, uh, power conferences seemingly out there. And why wouldn't that carry over into the playoffs where who knows? I mean, I, I would like to think Georgia is going to be favored over Michigan, but after last weekend, who knows? I would like to think 
Michigan looks like they're better, but on a given Saturday against Georgia, who knows? They may not be. They may uh-huh. not be. So you just never can't tell going into uh, to these uh, situations this year, especially how it's going to turn out. We got so much to get to. Still here on the show. Hit us up on Twitter at Pigskin Radio. Uh, we're streaming live at ESPNCoastal.com. Uh, we'll, we're talking a lot about the playoffs, but how about those new coaches? Those new jobs. They come with new expectations as well, and some seats can already be getting pretty uh, warm pretty quickly. We'll get to that when we come back. This is 3 and Out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you back here, 3 and Out, Ben. Early signing period, nine days away. Of course, you had all kinds of head coaches get new jobs, huge deals, lots of money, private jets, housing allowances, house buyouts, you know, all those things we talked about. And with that comes an expectation, Ben. Uh, and we have in the last year seen a coach who played and won national championship, head coach of the most dominating football team we've seen in a long time. And before year two after that was over, he was out. The OC, the architect, the architect of that, left to take a pro job. He was the new wave of offensive coordinators, year and a half, out. Billy Napier, Brent Venables, Brian Kelly, Lincoln Riley, Mario Cristobal, all getting huge money to be at their uh, their new jobs. How quickly are those guys, I mean, you can listen to some specifically, how quickly are some of those guys on the hot seat? I know Billy Napier came in, look, yep. he got all the credentials, said, look, mm-hmm. up my recruiting budget. I, Alabama spends money on recruiting. They spend money on staff. They spend money on analysts. Georgia spends money on analysts. They spend, I want it upped. Put me right there. I think he got he got and asked for it and got it. Money right behind Alabama. And in between Alabama and Georgia in terms of most money spent on analysts, coaching staff, et cetera. They don't do that. So you can go to 6-6 six and six and go play in the Bad Boy Mowers Bowl. Right? Yeah. So how, how quickly and who maybe feels the pressure first? I mean, Brent Venables, first-time head coach, walking into a team that is about to go to the SEC and has playoff expectations right now. How quick? Who gets the seat turned up hottest on him the quickest? I'm going to go Lincoln Riley because the thing about it is this. He really had no reason to leave Oklahoma. He just wanted to leave Oklahoma because, you know, I want to make a lateral move. And Lincoln Riley wants to be the headliner. I don't want to have to really share, you know, the platform of, you know, with nobody else. I know I had to deal with Texas, but we beat them every year. So I think it's Lincoln Riley because, Kevin, I mean, number one, USC. When's the last time we really talked about them being a contender, you know, not just in the Pac-12 to win it consistently year in and year out, but we haven't seen the Pac-12, you know, uh, represented in the college football playoff as of late. Lincoln Riley, I mean, his contract, I mean, my goodness. I mean, they got to buy his houses in Norman. He had two. Don't know why he had two, but he did have two. That ain't my business. He gets, what, $10 million a year in, in California. He gets a $6 million uh, uh, housing allowance. My God. I mean, I got allowance when I was a kid. It wasn't, wasn't like that. So, for me, I think it is Lincoln Riley. But, but very, very close to number two, I think it's Brian Kelly. Brian Kelly left Notre Dame. I ain't never seen nothing like this. And Notre Dame had an outside chance of making the college football playoff if things would have got even wackier, you know, if a, if a Georgia would have beaten, you know, Alabama and think, you know, Michigan would have lost. So for me, I think uh it's LA it's, it's Brian Kelly but 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 Kevin number 3 might be Brent Venables. Because Oklahoma is a big time brand. They change coaches, still same result. I mean, he going to have to come in and win in a hurry and 
you know, he's been the name you've been hearing for the last three or four years, right? Like, Venables, Venables, what yep. could be the team to get him out of there? He wanted the ideal situation, and I think he wanted two things. I don't think he wanted to have to play Clemson. Check. But I, he didn't foresee Oklahoma going to the SEC. But, but Kevin, I would <laughs> – I would, I mean, I, I said Lincoln Riley, then, you know, uh, you know Kelly, then, uh, you know, uh, Vernables, but yeah. I know this is crazy. It might be all of them, Kevin, because think about this. All of them are part of the same coaching carousel cycle. So they're going to group them all together. Hey, we're going to be comparing them. It's like RG3 and Andrew Luck, right? It's like Marcus Mariota and Jameis Winston. When you, who, you, who you do things with, they go, that's who they're going to group. Mario Cristobal, let me tell you something. It ain't Mario's fault. I'm not blaming him. But because of how Miami got him, Kevin – it's almost like, hey man, well, you better be do, scrutiny you, on that you, job. You, sure. you better, you better do something, because Kevin, you know, just like I would know. I know there is no mulligans, there is no get it right, there is no patience. Like what Michigan showed Harbaugh, that's unheard of. To give him that much time to finally get over the hump. Now, when he did, he made it to the. Now it's going. Now how he does, how he finishes this season. But Kevin, I think it's all of them. I mean, Billy Napier rolled out the red carpet. You know, scared money don't make money. Seven point five million dollars, I think, is spending for analysts and assistant coaches and all these different things. If I'm giving you all this, it better be worth it. So Miami, Florida, LSU, Oklahoma, uh, USC, and, and obviously you got other schools like TSU. Uh, you know, uh, you know Virginia. Uh, but but Kevin, you know, just like I know, big time programs they want to win it all. So Lincoln Riley, Venables, Napier, Kelly, you know, Cristobal, they want they they got they got what what these last four teams are doing is what they expect y'all to do. And Kevin, unfortunately, when you a high profile, now who's under most pressure might be Bill and Napier because he's coming from, you know, uh Louisiana to Florida with all these demands. But Kevin, you know, just like I know, patience in college football. <laughs> That, those two things are not mutually exclusive. Yeah. You're going to have to find a way to get it done. But I think all these guys are going to have to find a way to get it done, Kevin, because they're going to be like, hey, man, you usually get what you pay for. Well, not with college co- not with college coaches. You don't. You just hope that you get a return on your investment. Yeah, look, and I think just the pressure to win. And again, if you're Billy Napier, you're walking in where the team in your division is in the playoffs again. Yep. Uh, if you're Brian Kelly, a team you have to play every year, is in the national champion is in the college football playoffs. A crossover team. It just got Billy Napier as their as their coach. So, I, I, again, I'll be interested to see like who's patient and who isn't. Uh, I, I think the quickest move up might be Brian Kelly at LSU because of where LSU sits yeah. presently. Uh, I think a lot of people looked at Coach Ogeron and said, "Look, the talent's there. It's just bad luck." Injuries, etc., and maybe just went south. But the talent is there for them to win more games than they've been winning. So maybe you get it turned around, even in a tough, tough conference. Uh, Brent Venables, first-time head coach. Right now, you're in the Big Twelve. I think, by all projections, year two or year three. Because I'm, Brent, how, the, how, how I'm many, saying how many, year, how many year two. I'm go. saying, but year two or year three, right now, of the Brent Venables campaign. They will be transitioning into the SEC. Yeah, like, and, 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 so, and, and ain't gonna be, and ain't gonna be no, tra- ain't gonna be no. And we're gonna give you a mulligan year. You better come out swinging. Yeah, I mean it's gonna. And again, who knows what the conference dynamic will look like as far as who you have to play. You know, you have to play Texas at the very least. Probably have to play Texas A&M, uh, and, and maybe Arkansas as common opponents. Mm, but mm. again, does going into the SEC get you a mulligan and a redo? As you said, I don't know that it does. Uh, especially if you come. I mean, that's. So that's just some of the things to be interesting to watch as some of these programs evolve. Do we rechange expectations for the SEC when it goes to a 16-team league? 
And you look at it and say, well, now I may not have to play him every year, but maybe I dumped Missouri this year and picked up Texas. Yeah. Maybe I dumped. Maybe I dropped. Maybe I dropped Vanderbilt and picked up Oklahoma. Like you guys got. I mean, you know, I'm just saying. I mean, I, on the rotation, I, 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 it's, it's I, interesting. In, in a situation like that, Kevin, I don't see. Just say they go quads. I I don't see Alabama and Auburn not being in the same one. I don't see Georgia and Florida not being in the same one. I don't see, you know, uh, maybe like a Texas A&M and LSU not being in the same one. But then you, like you said, but. But you'll this, rotate through the exactly, opponents. The crazy faster, part about it is, this, listen, it's gonna come down to the epicenter. It's gonna come down to Atlanta. Are you in Atlanta playing for the SEC championship? Because this is the thing, like, that's the two things when you're in certain conferences. Hey man, SEC champion, you're gonna make the college football playoff unless you do what Georgia just did. Georgia lost, but they was undefeated, number one, and they lost and they made the college football playoff. I don't know. And Kevin, we could be seeing the last of undefeated seasons too. Like something you always say, if you're in the biggest, baddest conference, right, you shouldn't be no 12 and 0, 11 and 0. I don't care how good your team is. And I think that we may be coming to an end with that. Even Alabama lost a game this year, and they end the season, the regular season, after the championship games as, no, as number one in the country. <sighs> These coaches now, Kevin, because coaches are, coaches are the faces of college football. Let me just say that. Coaches are the faces. Then you got the brand, but the ones that run it, presidents, chancellors. Board of Trustees, Boosters, these people run college football. How do I know? Mario Cristobal is getting $8 million. Mario Cristobal is getting – he's the highest-paid coach in the state. Who's the most least accomplished team as of late in the state of Florida? Miami. Yes, and, and, and Florida State hasn't made a bowl game in the last two or three years. They ain't going to make a bowl game this year. Who's went to a more recent as a championship? That would be uh, Florida State. Who's won? Who's won? Who's won the most since uh, 2000? No, I think I think uh, I think Florida's won too. Miami has been to one ACC championship. So, Kevin, it it it's it's halfway you go and 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 more and 50 percent what they gave you, 80 million dollars, dude. So they got to give, they got to give Manny Diaz nine million dollars buyout. They got to give Mario Cristobal eight million a year, and don't. And that's off the strength of what he did at Oregon, and he got that thing put on him twice this year by Utah. <laughs> so, Kevin, it's listen, at the end of the day, when you paying that type of money, Kevin, to me and you, the chancellor at these schools, like, I know I know behind closed doors, yeah. our money, but we say, man, we giving you eight minutes. It's almost like this, like, it's all laughing and joking when introduction press conferences, but at the end of the day, dude, we giving you $8 million. In a, in a, in a, in a, in a wait a minute, ain't, ain't Florida no tax? No state touch. <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying. So we, we'll see what happens, Kevin. But all of them are under a lot of pressure. But what you said about Brian Kelly, Brian Kelly going to have to find a way to be, have success in a hurry because the last three guys that coached that won national championships, regardless of how it ended, they got three Yeah, no, no pressure at all in that situation. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I think with the money comes a lot of pressure because a lot of these teams, and, and we kind of make a joke about it anymore, where you're like, hey, so-and-so got signed, and you don't bat an eye saying they got $8 million. Well, with $8 million, it's not the same as a guy making $2 million. I mean, and again, I give you $8 million. That's a significant chunk of money yes. to outlay for one person uh, there to run the football program. And with that comes a little return on investment, eight, eight, a little return on investment expectation there. Eight million. Eight, eight, eight. Okay, I want to – hold on. Coach O is no longer in coaching. He was number two right behind Nick Saban, but he had an national championship. Right. The coach at Stanford was number three. And he, yeah, David Shaw. And, and David Shaw ain't about to sniff no college football playoff, even with the success he had at Stanford. Guys are coming in now making national um, – I want to say before – Dan Mullen, before he left, was making more than Kirby Smart. Think about that. I'm just telling y'all, 
It's about where you're coaching and as much money as you can get. Chris Ball is getting $8 million. And his team used to wear them John Deere-looking jerseys. I, <laughs> I, I, I just think at the end of the day, Kevin, you're right. It's a responsibility that comes with the money first, and then you got to get the got to get the team nationally relevant. Then you got to win your conference. Then you got to win the championship. Then you got to win the national. Hey, man, that's what comes with it. If you want to coach big time football, that is a responsibility that comes with it. Uh, absolutely, and again, uh, a lot of new coaches. Again, I just named a few: Billy Napier, Brent Venables, Brian Kelly, Lincoln Riley, Mario Cristobal. Uh, you got Brent Pry there at Virginia Tech. Yep. They want to win a uh, championship. Virginia Duke Open. I mean, you got Mac, several Mac, more Mac jobs. Brown in North Carolina. It, yeah. it, it doesn't go away. You have several jobs. Steve Sarkeesian in Texas. What, yeah. what happened to him? <laughs> I mean, look, and, and again, I, I, again, you still have some Power 5 jobs open, but those things are getting filled quickly because, uh, again, early signing period coming up in nine days, uh, right around the corner. A lot of these guys have got to hit the ground running. And it starts with recruiting, and then it has got to show on the field in the not-too-distant future. we got more to come here. It's three and out all across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Are a little more than a week away from bowl season starting. A week from Friday will be bowl season officially. We'll have way more bowl games than are necessary, but we will have them. Even one that was just made up out of thin air. It has no name, no date yet, and I don't know if they've told the teams that who that they're playing. I'm assuming they have. Hey, welcome to the No Name, No Place Bowl. Uh, we'll get to that later, but you guys are in. We're excited to have excited to have you, Ben. Don't know where it is or what the name of it is, but you ready to go? Good. I mean, Kevin, you already know what's going to be on social media when they do it. Like, Kevin, guys, 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 before you guys get ready to go home yes. for Christmas break. We're going to the no-name bowl. Ah! They're going to just like scream, go oh, crazy. Yeah. But, Kevin, for those of you who don't know, Kevin cares about two things when it comes to college football, upsets and bowl season. That's it. Kevin loves bowl season. He says there's not enough bowl games. I mean, so much so, we just run out of names. I mean, who cares bowl, shrimp bowl, chicken bowl, cereal bowl? I mean, if they called him that, I mean, there was a kid that was like, hey, man, we go to a bowl game, man. Do we, do we get free stuff? Uh, Yeah, what's the purpose of going to a bowl game if you're not going to get no free stuff? But, Shout out, listen, shout out to all the six and six teams with one of those teams being my Florida Gators. It is hard these days getting the seven I th- I, wins. I, I, think, I think you guys are not going to the no-name bowl. <laughs> oh, no, no. We are going but, to the Asperilla Bowl. I, I, I formerly known, I think it's the Beef O'Brady's Bowl in Tampa. And uh, some one young man said, quote, do we get uh, out? Do we get uh, get to go to Outback? Well, that would be the Outback Bowl. So, no. <laughs> I don't think. Billy Napier's first job. <laughs> I don't think you're going to. Gasparilla I mean, Bowl. You, you can probably go with Outback Bowl, with, you know, uh, yeah. with, you know, with, uh, Without that gratuity money they give you guys. But That's no, right. shout out to every team that made it. I mean, because Kevin, as Kevin knows, once bowl season starts, when they start having three or four bowls, you know, a bowl at 10 o'clock, a bowl at 12 o'clock, a bowl at 2 o'clock, shout out to the teams that made it, man. Now we'll see what happens. Yeah, I, look, I, I, that's uh, Billy Napier again, as I said. Gasparilla Bowl, not the Outback Bowl. Job number one. But, uh, yeah, so many bowl games, and they're making them up to get everybody in, and that's a shame. I, again, I, I, I think – this, I mean, I, I, would, I guess that's a bad equivalent because they do let teams in that are under 500 into the NFL or the NBA playoffs. But, I mean, it would be like the equivalent of, hey, Detroit Lions, you won five games. Yeah, I know you were 5-11, <laughs> and 11, but you, you did good. We're going to make up a game, and we're just going to call it the, hey, you're not picking number one bowl, and you will get to play the Cleveland Browns in a one-game uh, situation. How many games do we Oh, it doesn't matter. Detroit and Cleveland – and to thank God you're not picking first again, Bull. 
coming to a uh, NFL I mean, stadium. What Kevin doesn't like is the one they had to make up. Like we, I mean, you don't even know. You don't even know. You didn't. You don't even know what the bowl game is. But if you're in that bowl, congratulations, yes. because there are some teams that will not be in them, and that doesn't mean they're not good teams. They just well, that that covered six is rough. Yeah, enjoy it every last minute. Can't tell you what the bowl game is because we don't know. We'll see you tomorrow. It's three and out.